Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad, otherwise known as Brad Ziver. I am joined by Alex Lochtwain. Hello, Alex. You're back for two weeks in a row. This oh. is fucking unprecedented. Yes, unbelievable. Insane. Oh, my God. Just I'm drop out. I'm actually, like, there, existing. No, just, just drop out <laughs> so you can be here every week. I know you're that close <laughs> to getting your thesis. Yeah, done, I'm al- almost almost done, but just stop now. Yeah. Just. Eh, and it's like, whatever. you know, and they're like, why, why, like, right again? It's like, well, I have to consistently be there on Thursday evenings. <laughs> I'm like, can't do otherwise. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, we, uh, I'm, I'm going to preface this before we get started on the spoilers and shit like that. Um, I'm torn. Because part of me loves how they switch to a one-week spoiler because you get more cards faster. It's not dragged out as long and stuff where it used to be like almost a fucking month long of spoilers. The other side of it, though, is as a content creator, I want to kill myself because last week we had like, what, 20 cards to go over? And this week we have... Yeah, but now we've got like 100. We have the whole set, (laughs) essentially. Um, yeah, we have almost the whole set. There might be like a few more rares to go. There can be. There's been really good comments and uncommons in the set, so there might be some gems in there. But like, yeah, overall. Uh, so we have currently 230 yeah. out of 281 in the set. We have all the mythics, uh, assuming they stop at 20. I don't think. I don't think there's been a recent <laughs> set. They want you to pull even fewer Liliana, so they're gonna go up to 25. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised they didn't make the stupid Lord Cycle <laughs> mythics, <laughs> or the oh or the Defiler Cycle mythics. They easily could have. Um, yep. But yeah, we have a lot. We're not gonna go over every single card that's been spoiled. Um, we have a short list, uh, and I I use short list like <laughs> a quote unquote short list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to um to touch base on and talk about. Uh, that's what we're gonna go with, and if anything comes up. During that we might want to talk about briefly, we can, but for the most part, we're going to try and stick with this list because it's going to already fill up pretty much all of our time. So, uh, yeah. Do you, do you want to just get into it? Yeah, sure. Let's get started. Um, first one on the list, and the first one on this immediately is Cycle. Um, it's a Defiler Cycle. Now, last week, we had the Defiler of Dreams, uh, so all of them are, you know, four or five mana creatures. The Defiler of Dreams, I'll read it out again. Three blue-blue for a 4-3 flying. And they all have the next effect for their color, which is basically just for every... Is it a permanent? Yeah, it's yeah, permanent. For every permanent spell of the same color that you pay, so Defiler of Dreams is blue. So it says, if you cast a blue spell, you may pay two life. If you do, the spell costs one blue mana less. And it can only reduce uh, colored costs. So basically, it gives one Phyrexian mana instead of a regular blue mana to all your permanent spells. Mm -hmm. So you could just cheat them out faster. And then they all do something when you cast a permanent spell of the same color too. So I guess to just hop on to... I'm just going in order that we saw them. Uh, Defiler of Vigor is three green-green for a 6-6 trample Phyrexian Worm. And as an additional cost, you might pay two life. So again, all your green permanents 
with green mana in their cost have one green mana symbol replaced by a Phyrexian green mana symbol. And then it says, whenever you cast a green permanent, put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control. What do you think, Brad? What do you make of this? It seems really good. I mean, on rate, it's a 5-minus 6-6. Six, six. Um, as Saffron Olive uh, wonderfully pointed out in his spoiler video where he talked about this card, um, the daily spoiler thing on MTG Goldfish, he said that out of the entire history of Magic, there is only one other example of a 5-mana 6-6 six, six creature in green, uh, and that is uh, Elder Gargaroth. Elder Gargaroth. So we get another one. This one has Trample, uh, which is nice. Um, the Phyrexian thing is pretty cool, but really, whenever you cast a green permanent spell, you put a plus one, plus one counter on everything. You pump your entire team. So in like a mono green aggro type of thing, uh, type of deck, this is a nice top end. It actually turns uh, your really traditionally bad top decks of like your dorks, like Glenor Elves, Elvish Mystics in the late game, where you really don't want to be drawing them into something that can actually be considered valuable. Um, because it is each creature, so at the very least on an empty board, you cast the Mystic on top uh, when you have this, and it just pumps itself as a 7-7 with Trample, and that can eventually start getting out of hand. Um, yeah, like, important note, it wouldn't pump the Elf, because it is a cast trigger, yes. so the Elf would still be on the stack while the counters get distributed. Yeah, which is fine, um, but, like, in... Yeah, you don't really care about that. But if you're playing, like, a, like I said, a traditional, like, Stompy list of, like... Um, like what, Pelt Collector, uh, the, um, what's the three draw? I mean, you can play the, the This is troll. pretty cool in fight rigging. This is really cool It's in more castable. Rigging. It immediately turns into a seven itself with fight rigging, and it's still powerful enough that it could be a good hit of fight rigging. So, like, you don't mind this being under a fight rigging while also being a decent enabler, but five mana, so still castable. Yeah, so, because, I mean, Fight Rigging is a cast. It's just a cast for free. It doesn't just put it onto the battlefield, right? Um, so. Yeah, I think that's right. So if you flip a permanent, that would even, like, give you a bit of a bump yeah. for your whole like team. Yeah, like a Titan or something. Combat, yeah. Which is, yeah. I think it's really good. Vorinclex doubles the counters that this gives, importantly, because that's also generally in the Fight Rigging decks. It is, and it's just a really, really fucking fun card. Um, this, yeah, this card's sweet. I, uh, I I like it. Yeah, I think it's very powerful. Uh, my only problem is that again, fight rigging might be a home for it. Uh, I don't really see other homes for it because, like, I mean, this this is a thing that sadly you're gonna have to say about a lot of these cards. But if you're playing a lot of big green dumb stuff, you should probably just be playing devotion. And I yeah. don't think this is a good card in mono green devotion because, like, it's not you know it's not comboy. It's just big. Um, and then I'd rather be on Vorinclex, because that makes it so my Karn has... Doesn't Kiora enter with 14 loyalty if you have a Vorinclex? Oh my god. Like, does, do they also enter with double loyalty, or is it just that their loyalty abilities give no, they, them extra they, loyalty? No, they enter with double loyalty, so that's because you can... Uh... Yeah, so Kiora enters with 14 loyalty mm -hmm. if you have a Vorinclex in play. <laughs> um... Also, one important note on this cycle, and I think we can then touch on the rest of the cycle, and we can go over the others a little bit quicker, because we at least can skip all the details. Um, the 1-1 counter distribution, or the trigger when you cast a permanent, also doesn't 
require you to do that Phyrexian mana payment. Mm. So you could just pay, play a Lenore Elf, you don't pay the Phyrexian mana, and you still get the trigger. So like these things aren't connected. For the large part, the Phyrexian mana is kind of just like bonus. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the case with all of them, like the entire cycle. Yeah, because even though a lot of people are like, oh my god, Phyrexian mana, so my one mana card is free. But it's like, yeah, but two life like adds up if you do it too often. Yeah, I agree. Also funny, this does stack. So if you have two Defilers of Vigor in play, you could just play a, um, what is it, Werewolf Pack Leader for free. So I was actually wondering, so based on the wording, you, you, you can't pay for each pip? For the Phyrexian mana? Or can you? You can only do it for one. It says, an additional cost to cast green permanent spells, but you one may pay per. two life. Those spells cost green less to cast if you pay the life this way. I mean, if you have two Defilers of Growth, you could do it twice. Yeah. But you can't do this, like, any amount of times. Okay, so you can't, Which like, Which I think play, is probably a good idea. So you can't play, like, a Steely you Champion pay, like, for, for, uh... Yeah, you for can't pay six, six mana life. for an old growth troll. A uh, six life. Okay. Which is good, because this thing would assemble fucking ridiculous board states, if you could. Just imagine dropping this on turn three, which you can totally do in mono green, mm -hmm. and going like, old growth troll, old growth troll, Lanowar Elf, Lanowar Elf. See, that sounds fun to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, that sounds... Okay. That sounds like control decks would have to start running burn spells just so they can kill you when you get greedy. <laughs> you know why I wouldn't care if that was even the case? Because mono Meister's charm drain you. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> mono green devotion as it stands already makes board states Does like this that without paying life. <laughs> and then they get to fairy down. No, mono green just um, outright kills you, like instead of like presenting lethal. Yeah, dude. The Teferi being in Mono Green now is fucking insane. Because, like, I, I didn't realize upon the first look that Teferi gains you two life every time you plussed. Um, yeah. So now. Just, just infinite life, too. Yeah. So now the combo is you, like, don't even need to give a shit about, like, uh, the the backside of a Pestilent Cauldron more often than not. Because you just go Teferi, untap Dork, untap Land, like Nykthos, untap uh, the, the, uh, the Chain Veil. And they just keep looping that over and over and over and over again. Gain like 50 yeah, life what, and then get Pestle and Cauldron and then just mill your opponent out. Yeah, what's also absurd about it is that you can do it with like 5 Devotion. Yeah. Uh, but before we get stuck talking about Mono Green, we have a lot of spoilers to cover. Yep. So the rest of the Defilers, um, I'm trying to do them in order, I guess, but I'm immediately going to mess up. We talked about the Dreams um, one, right? Yeah, we talked about the Dreams one, the blue one. Uh, Defiler of Faith. White one, Phyrexian human, five mana, five five vigilance. Um, again, that same mana cheating, but whenever you cast a white permanent spell, you create a one one white soldier. There are infinite life combos with this. Um, the basic combo, people, I mean, basic combo, is if you have a Catrus Monument in play and you have two aviary mechanics, they bounce each other infinitely. Mm hmm. But because you have all these ent bodies enter the battlefield, if you have a soul sister in play, so like anything that says when a creature enters, gain a life, that offsets the life cost, and you just like create infinite soldiers. And when you have two soul sister effects in play, it also gains you infinite life. Um, but yeah, this one's just kind of like a go wide card. Yeah, I, the the ability is. I mean, it makes sense in the color making a making a soldier. Um, it, it's cool that it makes a soldier because there are incidental like soldier support in this set. So for standard, that's kind of cool. 
Um, it is human as well. Um, but it makes me kind of sad because this is my favorite art of the cycle. And it's Amazing. arguably the, uh, I would say, the second to worst one in the cycle. I don't know. I think it's... What I like about this one, I feel like this is the one that is best at cheating, like, abusing the Phyrexian mana. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I just said that combo, and, like, that's a bit convoluted, I think. But there are, like, reasonable Soul Sister-style cards to play. Um, there are just white creatures that, like, bounce themselves or bounce other creatures. And the fact that white has access to a lot of pretty easy life gain means it's more likely that you get to use pay Phyrexian mana more often. Which I think is something interesting about this card. Uh, because um, blue, black, and red are generally not very good at gaining life. Uh, black can do it, but it's not like amazing at it. And green has a lot of life gain available, but it's often on bad cards. So, Or it's like yeah. a 5-drop that gains you 4 life every turn, which is like nice against aggro, but not the thing I'm looking for when I want to abuse Phyrexian mana. So that's what I do like about this one. Yeah, I think it's a cool one. I think the, I think the black one's pretty simple, not amazing. Four mana, four four Phyrexian horror with menace. Again, the Phyrexian mana cheating. And whenever you cast a black permanent spell, target creature you control gets plus one plus one and gains menace until end of turn. This would be better if uh, it just said um, target creature gets plus one plus one, or even just give it a plus one plus one counter. And give it a menace counter. Because we can do that now. Yeah, I I don't know if, like... I think plus one, plus one counter and the menace counter is, like... Like, a bit too much stepping on, like, Defiler of Vigor's foot. But I do think a menace counter would have been cool. Like, it's plus one, plus one until end of turn and put a menace counter on it. Now, of course, it gets a bit weird when you have to put, like, 17 menace counters on a creature. But you could just, like, ignore that. <laughs> and just put on the first menace counter. And I do think that would be a lot cooler. I think it's also more flavorful because obviously the idea is that it's like Phyrexian and like infested. So it feels strange that the effect goes away. Yeah. But like it, it, uh, that, yeah, just all the other one all great. the other rest of the cycle does something in a permanent fashion. Uh the blue one draws you a card, the uh, white one makes a 1-1, one, one. the green one puts a plus one plus one counter on everything, and then the red one, which I guess we'll talk about in a second, pings your uh, any target for one. Yeah, I'll just read it out quickly. I have to open this one because it's in foreign language I can't read. Uh, Defiler of Instinct, um, two red-red for Phyrexian Kavu with first strike, so 4-4 four, four first strike. Again, the mana cheating, and when you cast a Brad permanent spell, Defiler of Instinct deals one damage to any target. Which I think is like really powerful, um, because it comes down on turn four, mm-hmm. and aggressive red strategies would be running like a wall of one mana cards with one red pip in them, right? I think they're more likely to be like loaded up on cards. Yeah, and this one coming down on turn four, I feel like this can have these like turn four play this card and just unload the rest of my hand, um, and I mean if you have like light up the stage. The spectacle cost is one red. Yep. Well, so you get the ping. Well, that's, oh, that's, that's a permanent. It's permanent. It's not it has a permanent. to be a permanent. Yeah. Uh, okay, it has to be a permanent. But so the ping does turn on the spectacle cost um, for 
for Revival yeah. Stage if you have so, the Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't even know if think you have to get too unfair with this, but like I also like that you play this, you kind of unload your hand, but like next turn you have maybe have like one or two, you maybe like draw another one drop and you cast that quote unquote for free and then you like activate that other bugbear because you have all your mana available to you. Uh, or even like a Castle Ambrith, right? If you play a lot of permanents, you go wide. You might want to run the Castle Ambrith because you're more likely to have all your mana available. And you just try and cast this on turn four and kill your opponent on turn five. Which I think this card is very good at because it can clear blockers really easily. Uh, I think the type of deck this goes into is very good at just like, yeah, I'll pay 14 life on turn four and just assemble basically an impossible board state. So I think this one's actually like very, very good too. Yeah, I think this and has in terms potential of just the natural be... fits. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, it fits nicely as like a top end thing. Um, like you said, you can cast all your one drops uh, pretty easily. You're going to have more of them anyway. Uh, I'm. I think this card is going to be more so used as some type of combo piece to just go infinite um, and just kill your opponent. Uh, it's another combo thing for Grinning Ignis. Of just, you know, play that, ping, yeah. ping, ping, ping over and over. They don't have anything to if do. You, if you find... It, it's hard to do. If you find a way to give this lifelink, like, it can offset the cost. Now you could do some nasty things with it. Well, you only have to... Um, you only really care about reducing the cost of Grinning Ignis one time. Right? Cause it, well, you need to do it over and over to net... Oh! It gives itself oh, its yeah. own mana. No, but it's it costs you a total of four to get three back. Mm-hmm. So, um, but like, if you have two of these in play, the moment your life total is higher than your opponent's life total, they're dead. Because you will just lose two, lose two, lose two, lose two over and over. Yeah. Um, if you um, find a way to like there are definitely effects in red that like double your damage like think of this in like a flame of cal i mean <laughs> blast from the past like this in or like flame Tor of brand. cal yeah or Tor- torbran means this thing does three damage mm-hmm. so you just have grinning ignis and it's yeah yeah pay to life bought you pay to life bought you pay to life bought you so you, you could do some really disgusting things with this card this with experimental frenzy True. Uh, you can also do things like um, what's the uh, the two drop that every time you play a red spell it gets plus one plus one, or plus one counter and you can pay Steam that kid. to run away make Steam mana kid. or lose the counter to make mana. Yeah, run away Steamkin. Yeah, so you could do like that's, a deck uh, with that. That could work with it too. And then like that's another way to make more mana. So like Steamkin, Burgy on three. This on four. Um, I mean, if you have the Grinning Ignis, you can go... I mean, yeah, on Grinning Ignis, you could just go to turn four. Um, no, Steamkin, Burgie, Ignis, make infinite mana, at one point play this, and then keep going. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I mean, that that's that's one way. Uh, but I'm sure there... So I'm, I am so positive someone will find something yeah uh, to break this I, I think for me like to quickly summarize the cycle i think the filer of vigor is like the most powerful individual card uh the green one 
I think the Viler of Instinct, the red one, is like the easiest to find a home for. Um, I think the Viler of Faith, the white one, is the one where you can like most abuse the Phyrexian mana potentially. Um, and it's just like the most straightforward, I think, too. Like this, this is like like a happy medium. I think the Fighter of Dreams is potentially the most unfair one because drawing cards is just like the most powerful effect here. Um, it's probably the only effect that's worth one mana. That's all. That's on all these cards, and I think the black one's just like bad. Like I don't think that's gonna see play anyway. I agree. In Pioneer, might be okay in standard. I mean, in standard, they they'll probably just play Shouldered over that. Ugh. What a world we live in. Um. What a world we live in. Next card moving on. Um, this one... I don't know if this was... This might have been in the spoiler in the leaked document. I think the leaked document also contributed to this spoiler season being a little dull. Because I... You know, as I went on Twitter, I refused to talk about it with anyone, but I did read the leak. I did too. So a lot of these cards, they came in, and I was like, yeah, seen it already. Yep, seen it already. It. Seen it already. So, like, I'd log... I, I'd wake up, see, like, six cards. It's like, I've already seen all these cards. And that, like, made it a bit boring. But this one is cut down. One black for an instant. Destroy target creature with total power and toughness five or less. So this could kill, like, a Blood Tithe Harvester, because it's a 3-2. But it couldn't kill an Old Growth Troll, because it's a 4-4, four, four, so its total power toughness is eight. Th that's how this works. Mm -hmm. You add up the text box, and then that's the total. The one thing this card has going for it where you would even entertain the idea of playing it where fatal push is a bit harder to uh to make work is this hits a flipped uh fabled mirror breaker saga yeah um one other one i could think of this teams up really well with liliana the last hope Oh, yeah. Because she reduces the total yeah. stats of a card by three. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jace Vrin's Prodigy reduces the total cost of a card uh, value by two. And that means you actually get quite some reach. If you're playing the... in a, like a Demir deck that has them to. Like, come on. Oh, we're playing right? Otherworldly <laughs> Splendor in our Orzov control deck. Oh, no. To make this uh, kill everything. That's funny, though. Kills everything. Um, because. That's the type of thing that you play Overwhelming Splendor for, to enable your one-mana removal spell. Of course. That's how you break Overwhelming Splendor. Of course. The eight-mana enchantment. Yep. Um, but yeah, I wanted to point this out because people have been talking about this. It's like, is this like... Like, in some ways, is it better than Fable Push? It's obviously not. Like, there's like two cards, probably, that unrevol Unrevolted Fatal Push doesn't hit that this card does, like Flipped Saga, and there's probably a few others. Um, the the reason I wanted to bring it up, first of all, people talked about it, and, like, this is, like, Fatal Push at home, mm -hmm. but sometimes you want a fifth or a sixth removal spell that's cheap, and y you probably want Blood Chief Thirst, but this isn't instant, and you're like... I'll take Fatal Push at home for my fifth or sixth removal spell. I guess. Because this does still kill, like, plenty of two drops. It kills most two drops. Mm -hmm. I think some exceptions are Manlands, because they're technically zero mana, but, like, their power toughness tends to be too high. I think a Hive of the Eye Tire. Basically, all of them, except uh, Den of the Bugbear or Lair of the Hydra, if your opponent's stupid. 
mm. um, and they made it a two-two for some reason. So like, but it, and like voracious Hydra does good, but it hits most things. Uh, but Fatal Push is obviously better because the moment you revolt Fatal Push, just like pfft, like completely erases past this card in yeah every every way. So I'm not I'm not too high on this card. It's it's fine. No, me neither. It's, but uh, like. I could see a deck like Rogues that like really, 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 really doesn't want to play sorcery speed cards with Bloodchief Thirst run like one if they feel like they need more removal. Mm -hmm. Like that's cheap. They could they could run like one, but basically, potentially one in a Rogues deck specifically is basically the only play way this card is ever cast in a Pioneer game. Um, moving on. I like this card. Um, Shan. I don't know if it's Shana or Shanna. Shanna, I guess. Shanna pur purifying blade. Uh, a green, a white, and a blue. So banned mana for a three-three legendary creature, human warrior, with lifelink. And at the beginning of your end step, you may pay X. If you do, draw X cards. But X can't be greater than the amount of life you have gained this turn. I, I like this in humans because not like I'm not like over the moon on it, but I think this could be decent in banned humans because it has obviously picked up the package of extraction specialist and charming prince. I think there's a decent amount of random life gain in this deck. Like I can totally see like a late game scenario, a later in the game scenario. Um, let's say turn four, you have hit this off collected company. Mm-hmm. And you untap, like your opponent swept the board, end of turn, you cast Collected Company, you hit this. Next turn, you untap, play Charming Prince, go to end step, draw three cards. And because you have Extraction Specialist that has lifelink, this card has lifelink, uh, Charming Prince just has the gain three life mode on it. I think it's easy enough to just draw like a couple cards a game off of this, which I think can be pretty good. Especially if you go into the Pyre of Heroes shells, I would absolutely put one copy in to tutor up when I'm like, have a Charming Prince in my hand with nothing to do. And it's like, hey, let's turn this Charming Prince into three cards. Because you can even play the Charming Prince, gain the life, and then Pyre this into the Charming Prince into this. And then you move to your end step and you have still gained that life. I like it. Um,. I'm so torn on it because I feel like this is a trap because it has to stick around. Yes, it has lifelink. It can kind of fuel itself. Um, but with my experience of playing humans, a lot of the time you have a decent amount of stuff going on in your hand where you don't really want to be spending the mana to just draw extra cards. Um, like, this is fine as, like, a top deck later, I suppose, where, like, you are a bit more hellbent. But I don't know. Um, I just feel like this is a must-kill. Like, if you don't deal with this, because even the human's deck just has ways to, like, pump its creatures, Reflector Mage to get blockers out of the way... So there's a reasonable chance that when they untap with this, they can find a way to make this card not die in combat and just get in. 
for three. And then your opponent draws three cards. Like, what do you do at that point? But humans, I feel like, is full of must kills. With Werewolf Pack Leader, Thalia, uh, General Kudro, if they're running it. I've seen this with one or two, like Kithian, which you kind of have to kill before he flips into a Planeswalker. And, like, at one point, does a deck have so many must kills that you can't keep up? I suppose. Um,. Yeah, I could see this being like as like a like a one or two of in the deck. It is legendary, so I'd be yeah. Weary. I don't think it's like the all star build around, but like I put one or two in, probably be happy about it. I'd be, yeah, I'd, I'd try it, but I mean, maybe actually this might be a good excuse to skip ahead a little bit in the list uh, because this sure. card being potentially wanted to be tried makes me even more confused on how good people are saying that three drop wizard is um because like how do you fit all of these into the same deck it's the aether channeler uh, aether channeler is a two one human wizard for two and a blue enters the battlefield you get to choose one create a one one white bird creature token with flying return another target non-land permanent to its owner's hand draw a card so my thinking is like because everyone I've seen on Twitter are saying, like, this card is, like, a shoe-in for any Bant Company deck ever. Um, doesn't matter if it's humans or not. Um, I actually like this more in a non-human deck than I do in a human deck, to be honest. Um, because there you can at least justify making use of the value of all three modes. Where in humans, I'm almost never touching that bird <laughs> Token. This could have been nuts in um, in a oh my like out of sight out of mind the band card the Boros one Winoda. Yeah, Winoda this could have been nuts in Winoda it makes a non-human it is a human yeah it's got a disruption element to it I think the card's good um, it's just like the humans list is, is so tight like do you just flat up replace Reflector Mage with this um, I know Reflector Mage only hits creatures. Yeah. But that mode of Reflector Mage, like playing Reflector Mage oh, on Oh, they can't curve, play it. That's everything. Yeah, it's so important for your tempo. It, that fucks people up so bad. Like, especially if you're going against, yeah, like, no, Mono Green and you bounce, like, their troll. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. That's uh, That Reflector Mage is, like, they can't cast a card next turn. It's, like, half of the reason the card's good. Um, I think the only place I can see this, and... You know, I'm I'm gonna say it a lot when I talk about humans, but is the Pyre of Heroes list? There's another one because too there that are that there are that. a ton of humans with good utility. Like for some reason, like every utility and stacks card that they print nowadays is a human. Good. Um, and if you put this in a Pyre of Heroes human shell as a one-off, it is a one-off that you don't mind drawing. Whereas mm -hmm. sometimes, if you have these toolboxy decks, uh, let's say you're playing like an elves deck, and you have an elvish rec uh, reclamation sage in your deck, to be like, oh, I've got like court of calling, right? I want to be able to tutor up, but like when you draw it, and there's no artifact on the board, or an enchantment, it's a three mana two one. Right? It's, it's awful. But if you have the aether channeler and you end up drawing it, you're like, okay, play it, draw a card. I don't care. Right? Still a good card. But that's where I think it's good. 
most other places, it's probably pretty shit. Like, people will try and replace Reflector Mage, and they will quickly find out how good Reflector Mage is. Yeah, that's my that's my thing, is, like, this card and uh, Shauna um, makes it weird for me. Because, um, like, how do you fit all of these? Like, where, how do you figure out the numbers? Because we can't <laughs> Brad, try them all Brad, there's a out. very easy answer. At one point, you have too many good cards, and you're just like, fuck it, I'm playing a Yorion deck now, and now I can play all of them. Uh, uh, fine. <laughs> you're just like, man, I wish... I, I, I could run, like, an 80-card deck. Oh. I could just run an 80-card deck. <laughs> the other side of it, though, but uh, since you were talking about the toolboxy thing, we'll skip ahead again. Because this card, I think, is perfect for the toolbox version of the human's deck. And that's um, uh, Urtai Resurrected. Wait, that's a human? I didn't even look It's a Phyrexian human wizard, baby. Four mana, two blue, and a black for a 3-2 with flash. When it enters the battlefield, you get to choose up to one. Um... You can counter target spell, activated ability, or triggered ability. Its controller draws a card. Or you can destroy a target creature or planeswalker. Its controller draws a card. So, like, it's a flashing ravenous chupacabra that can counter shit the down and destroy a creature or a planeswalker. The downside is when you do either of those things, your opponent draws a card. But in some matchups... Like against like Mono Green, for example, countering the ability of like uh of like Nykthos or something, um could uh, you can't act you can't counter Nykthos. It's not a, is that not an activated ability? It is, but it's a mana ability, it so it just happens. It doesn't say mana abilities don't use the stack. Oh, okay. Like mana abilities they're just like not put on the That's stack. That's fair, they yeah, you're happen. right. Well, then you can counter like things like uh, like a current activation or whatever, like to like, stop them from getting. I mean, like, you could you can mess up like you could just stop one chainville activation, and now they can no longer loop. Yeah, cards. and even though they draw a card, like, like, like a... they they might not be able to do everything with it. Um, yeah, you're 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 you untap and kill all their planeswalkers. Yeah, so it's like nice chainville. Like... So yeah, I I, I yeah. like it. I think it's really cool in the toolbox version. Yeah, maybe. The, the downside is this card has flash and Pyro of Heroes can only be activated at sorcery speed. So you can't, like, pull a counter spell out of your ass. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of annoying. But I'd, I don't know about this card. I'm, I always hate giving my opponents stuff. So well, like, you're a control player. Yeah, so paying four mana for a two-drop worth of stats... And then giving my opponent a card, obviously I get to do, like destroy a creature or counter a spell, which are both very powerful effects. But like, man, you give your opponent a card, like, fuck, dude, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like, if I'm playing like a like a creature deck, I don't want to draw them into their sweeper. <laughs> and when I'm playing a control deck, like <clears throat> I'm trying to run them out of cards. Like, that doesn't happen if I give them cards. So I I don't know. It's a four drop two. You can mystical dispute it. Like, mm, like I don't know. I'm very lukewarm on this card. 
Grixis wizards. But I can see like Grixis a tempo strategy. Wizards. Grixis wizards. I mean, just just honestly, something like Demir Flash. Yeah, and it's probably like pretty good in that deck. Oh yeah, you can play the oh, one, yeah, yeah. The, the the three drop thing. So oh wait, you can oh, and the Slither Wisp. Yeah, and the two oh, drop. And then you draw a card too. Oh, you can play the two drop, and then you can already cast this on turn three. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it can't be countered, so no mystical dispute. Yeah, they ca can be countered. Then you counter what they do, and even though you give them a card, you you gain like a lot of tempo from that. So like, yeah, maybe. By the way, you know what? Like the like a really nasty trick is against a card like Cunning Nightbonder. If they try and put some card on the stack, they're like, "Hi, you can't counter it," and it's like, "Okay, but I kill your Cunning Nightbonder first, and now I dispute your Urtai anyway." I mean, sure, if you have both cards Fuck in you. hand, that's fine. Honestly, I've done that quite a bit, like on Modo, where people play it and they're like, "Oh, now you can't counter my Slither Wisp," and it's like, "Except I can." <laughs> like, push dispute. Fuck you. They're like. Oh, yeah, guess so. But like, guess I'll untap and do nothing. If you're, but you're playing a flash deck, so like you're still, you might have a dispute of your own. Yeah, it's like it's like fine, right? I'm just like kind of messing about, but um, yeah, Urtai is pretty interesting design. Uh, obviously, like very reminiscent of Venser, which I think is kind of what they were going for. Yeah. God, there's so, so much to go with this la with this list. All right, let's yeah. continue with another blue instant. We cannot stop talking about blue instants. In Protect the Negotiators. I don't know what kind of negotiation you're doing with the Phyrexians, but sure. Um, one in a blue for an instant. Uh, and a kicker cost of white. If this spell was kicked, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token. Counter target spell, unless its controller pays one for each creature you control. So giving, like, unified will vibes. Mm -hmm. I think this card's pretty good. Like, assuming you play this with, like, two creatures in play, it's... Which I think is, like, a number you can expect. It's Quench. If you get to kick it, you get a 1-1, one, one, and it turns into a mana leak. Like, which is fine right when you have a larger number of creatures you know you you might bait someone they're like oh yeah i'm gonna play a couple creatures and they're like oh yeah you're playing right into my sweeper and then you just have this with like sure do you want to pay five and it's like dude it's turn six like i'd love to but i can't mm -hmm. so i think this card's pretty cool yeah i, this, I this, just this don't, could see I don't know what shell it goes in like this truly feels like a card you kind of have to build around um yeah, like, like an unified will. Wide. Oh, yeah, maybe unified will is played in humans. Uh, was played, I think, a little bit in humans and in merfolk. Mm -hmm. And with the similarity with unified will, now the annoying part is merfolk's not white, so they wouldn't want to splash for the kicker cost. I think. I think that's too much to make a splash for. The human decks are basically always white. So if you're in a band or maybe with that Ether Channeler guy or whatever his name was, um, you can just play Azorius humans. Just drop a color, have more utility lands, you know, have more like actual blue pips as opposed to like these using only only human kind of cards. Mm -hmm. And then this could be maybe pretty decent, right? Get some humans with flash in there. 
maybe throw a spell queller or two in the deck because you're humans but not really humans. Like you can and then you can play resolute reinforcements like this... in that deck. I mean, sure, that, that kind of curves cool into protect the negotiators. Basically, also has play a raise the alarm next turn. Yeah, yeah, and then next turn you kick this and now you have at least three creatures in play and like I mean, maybe... I think they're all soldiers. So then you play that soldier lord and, like, get him. Yeah, I, I was thinking, like, a, a... I really like the idea of a Bant tokens list for this card. Don't know how good that is, but most of it's instant speed, right? To make tokens and shit? Yeah, there's quite a few, like... And raise the alarm. You now have this new creature that resolute reinforcements. Isn't there uh, one that's Selesnya? Uh, that's March of uh, from March of the Multitudes. Yeah, March of Multitudes is instant uh, with Convoke. Uh, there's the one from um, the the party one, the dance thing from Midnight Hunt. That's Flash and has flashback. Oh, or instant and flashback, right? Is that an instant? I'm... Is it like join the festivities or something? Yeah. Um... Oh, Join the Dance, I think it's called. Is that an instant? No, it's a sorcery. Is it? Fuck. But I mean, you can you can play this on turn two. Yeah. Uh, join the Dance. And then on turn two, you just kick Protect the Negotiators. Like, on the early turns, or even like on turn four, play Join the Dance and hold this up. Okay, you don't get to kick it, but like... And then if they don't counter it... Because th this being two mana... And having resolute reinforcements and um, raise the alarm, and uh, there might be more raise the alarm style cards, just means once there's like you can hold up, two mana means either a bunch of tokens or counter magic. That can be a pretty powerful thing to be doing. And then you play the band card after that, like uh, the Celestia one that protects all your tokens. No time to talk about that one. Uh, but there is a card in this set that can give your tokens indestructible. Oh, the um, the king. Yeah, king number seventy-four or something, and like forty-seven. I thought it was. Yeah, forty-seven, and like Gavin joked, like, "Well, now I'm gonna have to make another forty-six fucking kings." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because everyone's like, "What about the other ones? You can't just go from the one rest? to forty-seven. You know, we had a two thousand year time skip on uh." How do you call that on, um, was it Kamigawa? I expect a saga for every character that has died since. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. Even characters I've never met. Now, next one, I'm talking about, you know, cards you wish you'd never meet. Um, and this is one you wish you'd never pull from your booster. Arguably, at least for according to some people, one of the worst Planeswalkers of all time with Karn Living Legacy. Now, Brad, can you read out what this piece of cardboard does? I would be happy to. This, this, this future so coaster. fucking bad. <laughs> Karn Living Legacy is a four-mana Karn on rate of the last two other Karns that have been created, being four-mana colorless. Legendary Planeswalker Karn starts with four loyalty. So, without reading any of the abilities, you're like, yeah, this is a Karn. Cool. Plus one. Create a tapped power stone power stone token. Specifically, it is an artifact with tap. Add colorless. This mana cannot be spent to cast non-artifact spells. So the thing worth noting is that it can be used to activate abilities and things like that. Um, yep. So that's cool. Then it has a minus one, which is 
I think, the worst minus one I've ever fucking seen on a Planeswalker. Pay an amount of mana. Look at the t that many cards from the top of your library. Put uh, Then put one of those into your hand. Rest in the bottom. So you can minus one, go down to three loyalty, and then pay three mana to get a three mana anticipate. Yay! Hooray! That is also a card that is one mana in a lot of colors. For example, green with Oath of Nyssa or... Uh, what's the one advent adventurous impulse is also one mana for that type of effect. Um, now it's specifically creatures and lands, I believe, but like still minus seven, you get an emblem with tap and untapped artifact you control. This emblem deals one damage to any target. So the only way this card can be good is if you have a way for it to enter the battlefield with eight loyalty with like a Vorinclex, ultimate immediately, Brad, and that's it. If I Brad, if I want Karn's ultimate, I just put Gearper Ether Grid in my deck, which is just a three mana enchantment that says tap two untapped artifacts. It deals one damage to any creature, any target. Yeah. Like, sure, it's half the rate, but it's a three-mana enchantment as opposed to a four-mana Planeswalker after plus three times. Yeah, it's bad. You know what would already be a huge improvement for this card that I'm a bit surprised they didn't? If it wasn't a tap. The only stone. thing you add to the minus one is look at that many cards plus one. So you could just say minus one draw a card. And if you're looking for something, you could put some mana into it. I, mean, I think it would still be shit. It should be a plus. But like, that minus one should not be a minus at all. No, nah, I, I, because it is colorless card draw, which I do like that they are a little bit careful with that. Still bad. But it would still is, be horrendous if it like, was a plus. Again, this, this could have set like plus one. Okay, I'll put it this way, Alex. But like... It could have been a plus... No, I, it I could think have been a, a card plus that pluses three. to draw a card is... It could have been a plus three for the exact same wording on the minus one. And it'd still be bad. Uh, I don't know. At that point, like, you do play this plus it. Then you just down ticket Aegis have gear per ether grid. Like, but then, like, uninteractable and colorless. So, like, that hypothetical might might actually make this card playable. But, like, this, this, this card is not good. Let's move on. It's, that card is bad. It, oh, actually, one thing that I noticed about this card... It's the worst Karn card that we've seen, and it is the most clothed. So I think we found we found a problem with Karn. Because the Great Creator is naked, right? Yeah. And Karn liberated as well. Very liberated. And no, the one from the, the previous time of Dominaria. No, this is, is the exact same amount of clothing as uh, Sion of Urza. Oh, but that one's also like the weaker Karn. Definitely. Saw play. <laughs> Still sees so a like, little play in yeah, Pioneer. I mean, tiny bit of play, where Karn the Great Creator is like a format-defining card, and Karn Liberated was a format-defining card for a very long time. So, like, clearly, Karn should just liberate himself of his clothes. Could you imagine? Maybe better. Could you imagine if on this set, they not only reprinted Liliana the Veil, but they also just said, you're also getting Karn Liberated in the same Karn set. Karn Liberated. 
I, I mean, I mean, I kind of like when they like deal with all the Phyrexian nonsense. Kind of like a cool time to give Karn Liberated a shot. I don't think it'd be that good in Pioneer. I mean, who the fuck's playing it? Like, the only reason the card's great is because you could play it with Tron. Yeah. But, like, unless they also reprint Tron, which please fuck don't, like, <laughs> I do not want to play against turn four Ulamog, please. They make uh, the Tron lands again, but they all enter the battlefield tapped. Uh, ugh. Gross. It's um, like playing Gates. <laughs> next. Yeah. I mean, just, like, not even gross, maybe, as in good, but just, like, ugh. Like, oh, they're, they're all just called Ruin Off, and then the same name. <laughs> Ruin of Ursa's Tower, Ruin of Ursa's Mine, and that's why they enter tap. I'm gonna give half the amount um, of mana. <laughs> <laughs> you get one and a half mana when you tap We're the playing tower. an unset, baby. Oh, I'll, I'd love that on Urza's mind. Tap for one colorless or tap for half two colorless. <laughs> if you have all of them. Uh, Judge, Assemble can I to play get half a mana on your tower. Can I play a Judge's Familiar with one half white and one half blue mana? <laughs> judge? Judge, what happens if I filter half a mana through a prismatic? <laughs> Oh my god. Um, anyway. V Rona's Vortex. Another card that came up. Uh, one blue for an instant. With kicker, two and a black. So you could kick it and then it's four mana in total. Return target creature or planeswalker you don't control to its owner's hand. If this spell was kicked, put that permanent on the bottom of its owner's library instead. I think it's solid. This card gives me really strong Baleful Mastery energy. Which is why I'm not a big fan of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I was trying to think about it. Initially, I thought this card was okay. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, this is Baleful Mastery, but the first mode is one mana instead of two, which, you know, is obviously, like, a big difference. But instead of giving them a card, I give them the best card. Because I'm probably bouncing something I don't want them to have. Like, I'm not bouncing a Llanowar Elf. Yeah. So, like, if I'm bouncing a troll, I don't want them to have that troll, but I've just given it back to them. So he's like, here, play it again, please. Okay, cool, I play it again. Okay, cool, I'm down a card. I wish so, like, this card just said, put target creature or planeswalker you don't control on top of its owner's library for one mana. I just kind of wish it said non-land. <laughs> I mean, but I get then they wouldn't want to make a Demir because it's like, that's enchantment removal. This would Demir. be so good in Rogues if it was just put on top of the library and then put on bottom of its kit. Oh, yeah, then you could just mill it. Yeah. That's cool. I would love that. But we can't have nice things for Rogues. I mean, to be honest, one blue mana to put something on top of someone's library is extremely good. Yeah, good. Give it to me. <laughs> like, that is fucking nuts. Like, that give would be one me. of the best removal spells ever. In yes, blue. give it to me. I want it. You already got witness protection. Fuck off. Mono blue prayers shouldn't get everything. Witness protection is not instant. Yeah, but it is removal. It is path to exile in blue. Hey, hey. Anyway, hey, speaking Alex, of you... other overrated blue cards. Hold on, hold on. Listen to this. Oh, oh, you want to talk more about this one? No, I want to talk about witness protection real quick. But it ties in with a card in the set. 
if Monobu Spirits becomes Demir Spirits, they can play Cut Down and then remove the Witness Protection card. Combo! We we found it. We two for one. We, we broke Cut Down. <laughs> <laughs> we broke Cut Down. Uh, oh yeah, because it keeps its mana cost, so you couldn't push it if it's five drop. And you have to get rid of this one one. Like it's way too scary otherwise. I've lost to a one one before. So anyway. Other potentially, well, I would definitely say overrated blue card. Um, founding the Third Path. So Founding the Third Path is a saga with read ahead, as they all do here. Uh, one in the blue, and the chapters go, you may cast an instant or sorcery with mana value one or two from your hand without paying its mana cost. The second chapter, target player mills four cards. And the third chapter... Exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Copy it. You may cast a copy. This is just like a really bad Snapcaster Mage. Like really bad Snapcaster Mage to the point where I'm like, why would I... It's almost unfair to draw the comparison. What if they gave this flash? I mean, fuck. I don't know. Like, like the problem with this card is... Like... People are like, oh my god, the first mode is zero mana. It's like, zero mana, yeah, but it costs you a card. So it costs you a card. Chapter one, you're just down a card. Then on turn two, you like mill for four, which is just like, who gives a fuck? And then on turn three, you get to copy a card from your graveyard, but you do have to pay the mana for it. So this is just like a really convoluted way of saying... Cast a card from your graveyard for two mana, I guess. I don't know. This this is like so like aggressively medium that I can't imagine is like is ever actually good. Yeah, I, I I I'm not super high on it. I just saw like cool. You cast like an opt or something for free. Very fun. I don't know. Uh, it's speaking of a card that would probably wreck this card. <sighs> you know, Wizards really wanted to give us a throwback to uh, 2020. And they gave us a temporary lockdown. Yeah, what was that fucking card that Historic got? Um, which... Uh, oh my god, that like... Three mana board wipe thing that just like fucks everything up. Yeah, this is like a light version of this. Yeah. So, temporary lockdown. One white white. For an enchantment, when temporary lockdown enters the battlefield, exile each non-land permanent with mana value 2 or less until temporary lockdown leaves the battlefield. This is, like, kind of nuts. It's really good. I think this is a very good card. One of the best cards in the set. Like, it's just portable holes, everything else on the, on the field. Yeah. It's like, portable hole is a good card. Obviously, one downside, it portable holes your portable holes, too. True. So, doesn't go well with in a deck that also runs portable hole. But like, I mean, if you draw this card early, you could just like hold on to the portable hole. Mm -hmm. If it's not something you have to immediately kill, and if it's a Llanowar elf that you have to immediately kill, well, if you then later cast temporary lockdown, you don't really care about giving them back their Llanowar elf. I think. Yeah. True. Not like the biggest deal. So. And this obviously hits a lot of stuff that you could traditionally use the dodge sweepers. You know, there's some enchantments. You've got the sagas. You've got tokens, right? Each non-land permanent. So this would get rid of opponent clue tokens, blood tokens, 
Um, treasures? Yeah, just treasures. Like, a lot of stuff people could be working on is just, like, all all gone. I look at this as someone who's been playing primarily Rakdos Sack, and I cry a little bit. Because I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God. yeah, please detain Goodbye, oven. Goodbye, anvil. Good... No priest for you. Like, Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Th- this card is really powerful. Um, I, there's not much to say about it. I think this is a, a lock for the at least sideboards for, like, Azori's control. Um. Like, if you're playing Azori's Control and you go against Sack, you're like, I will bring in a couple of these, and I will kind of wipe my hands and say, I think I win the game. Because yeah. now as a Sack player, I think I'm like, you're through. <laughs> I'm like, okay, do I have to fucking run a one or two of, of Feed the Swarm now on my board? Is that where we're at? I have to play that fucking card? Veto it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, if they play this on turn three, I can then respond by yeah like in the next turn do that and then they play another one on turn four but if they yeah <laughs> it'd be really funny if this said three or less i mean first off it'd be, it'd be really fucking disgusting and broken if it was it would get rid less, of copies of itself <laughs> that yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> and then you would give it it, it would cause a loop because it would keep one would bounce the other this is a flavor fail and though. then if there's just it should be phasing phase out yeah phase out I mean doesn't make that much of it wait don't trigger ETBs the second time around um, moving on because we have a lot of cards to cover and it's pretty late already um, Weatherlight completed I thought you'd want to talk about this card a little bit Brad what does it do and where do you think you could play it I wrote about this card a little bit in my upcoming article that we'll be releasing in the next couple of days, which is a deep dive. You want to talk about it then? or uh, I'll still talk about it. It's a deep dive. This should It should be out in time with the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Perfect. So I wrote an article about the actual like history of Rakdos Sacrifice and Sacrifice archetypes within Pioneer, how they've evolved, and how a little bit of like a, like a thing to talk about. Not just Rack the Sacrifice in general, but the way that decks and Pioneer evolve um, in general. And like some of the reasons that things uh, change. So Weatherlight Completed is a two-mana uh, artifact vehicle. It's a legendary. It is a 5-5 five five with flying. Does not have a crew cost. It says, as long as Weatherlight Completed has four or more Phyresis, uh, Phyresis, uh, Phyresis, Phyresis. I think it is. Four or more Phyresis counters on it. It is a Phyrexian creature in addition to its other types. Whenever whenever a creature you control dies, you put a Phyresis counter on Weatherlight Completed. Then you draw a card if it has seven more uh, counters on it. If it doesn't, you scry one. So my thinking was, um, you if you look at like Rakdos Sackless now... <clears throat> Something you might see pretty commonly is a one or two of somewhere in the 75 of Croxa. Um, Croxa has falling out, been falling out of favor. There's been a lot of us dropping him completely because of the prevalence of like Phoenix, Grease Fang, you know, etc. 
things like that, things that you don't want to give your opponent uh, the ability to discard their good things that they want to discard. Um, and this could actually replace that pretty easily if you want to still go with that and have like a nice top-end threat. Um, the cool thing is if you play it early, um, it acts as a way for every single time you do your cat oven bullshit of, uh, you know, sacking, bringing back all that. You get a scry. You get a scry early on. Um, and then it becomes a, a creature and you can start swinging in with a 5-5 five, five flyer. Um, we've seen a few lists start splashing green to play Corvold as their top end. Uh, not really going all in on like the Jund version of the sacrifice with like the food, trying to play like Gilded Goose and like Trail of um, Trail of Crumbs and stuff like that. It's still pretty much Drakto Sack playing like just Fable for uh, in Deli Dispute for your token generation or treasure token generation, as well as a handful of green sources that you could play um, to cast Corvold. This effectively does that role of Corvold being a top-end threat. Um, of course, Corvold is bigger and a better against things like Mono Green, for example. Um, but with Claim the Firstborn and like Karizev's Expertise as being options to play, you could still essentially do the same thing. But it also acts as an engine early on to scry one, uh, filter out through your deck with every sacrifice because you do kind of dirt a little bit with the uh, cat oven stuff. And being able to scry whenever you sack your cat is pretty nice. Um, and then you just kind of like, it can eventually even start drawing you cards. Downside, of course, because it doesn't have a crew cost, I, I kind of wish that it said, um, like, whether like completed. Um, when it has counters on it, it had like crew zero or something, or even crew one. Like it gained that instead of just becoming the creature. Because the issue is now... Yeah, then it can kill it. Yeah, you don't have that nice thing of it being a vehicle where it can dodge sorcery speed removal, such as like sweepers, of course. Uh, and now it's, you know, soft to that. And of course, fatal push and things like that already with being yeah, two mana. But like, it does trigger on itself when it dies. True. Because it says it's when a creature dies. So I feel like once you've gotten seven scries and a draw out of a card, like, it's not the worst thing if it dies to Fatal Push. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, it, like, it is a very um, threatening card in a deck that has a lot of threats, like Mayhem Devil, Fable, um, even dealing with yeah, the cat bullshit. To, to me, this kind of just reads like colorless trail of crumbs, in a way. Mm-hmm. To the idea, and I and that's what makes me like it because I'm like that means if Trail of Crumbs is a thing you want to be doing, you no longer have to add a color to your deck to get that. That's what I do like a lot about this card. But like this effect now being available to you in colorless, even allows you to potentially go into different colors, right? I mean, I wouldn't know what that would be exactly, but maybe Mardu Sack. Grixis sack, uh -huh. right? These are like things, or just again, keep your mana cleaner and stick to Rakdos. Because I felt like in the green shell, like whether um, Trail of Crumbs was like exceptionally good and like very good at grinding out games. And just having that element without playing green, I think is potentially very good. Like if this card would like doesn't pick up in play immediately and it dips to like a really low price, I would just like buy a couple for the future. Yeah, I like, agree. Like if I'd be a rectal sack player, be like, yeah, I'm just like pick this up now. You know, good chance I'll 
there will be a meta where I want to be playing it. And also for people that play Commander, this just goes in any deck. Um, and oh, yeah, card's great. even without it being it synergistic, it can't be cheap. Yeah, but even without it being synergistic <laughs> in like your Commander deck, um, things die a lot. Yeah, things die all the time. So, also, it's um, it's whenever creature can die, put a press, uh, press counter on it. Okay, so. If I get my shit swept, and I have four creatures die, does this get four counters? Uh, does it say one or more, or just when a creature so dies? It says whenever a creature dies. Uh, then it's separate triggers. Okay. So, yeah, you'd get four. So if you just have this chilling, and then someone sweeps the board, and you're like, all right, I'll scry four times. And then now I have a 5-5. Five five. Now I have a 5-5 five five that you have to deal with. So, yeah, I think this is a cool card. And um, deserves to see some kind of play. even... When a creature you control dies, put one more counter of then draw a card if it has seven or more cards. Yeah, so even if you get multiple triggers, and let's say you get... I mean, let's say it got zero and you get eight triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, the seventh one will on start drawing. the seventh card, it'll draw you a card, and the eighth will draw you a card, even though they all died at the same time. Yeah, that's really cool. So that's pretty sweet, right? Um, I also think it goes quite funnily with um, that four drop we ended on last week. Which said like your equip creatures have your equipments yeah. have equip for one, yep. and all your vehicles have crew one. I saw that on Twitter where someone's like, "It doesn't have a crew cost," and it's like, "Wow, it doesn't have a crew cost." And then it was like, "It doesn't have a crew cost yet." Mm-hmm. And then there's a picture with that card underneath. Yep. It's like pretty quickly enable it to be like more better on rage than heart of Quran is pretty impressive. Yeah, so I, I'm a, I'm a fan of this. Also, um, you. This deck or this card can not just go into something to make use of the sacrifice stuff. You can play this in uh, the Mister Plow deck, the mono white uh, vehicles deck, where you just go armed and armored. Now I have a five five flyer. Oh yeah. So or uh, Peace Wa- Peace Walker Colossus can just turn it on. Yeah, could just sw- turn this on. Yeah, that's pretty cool too. So I think it's a good card. If you have too many vehicles, your opponent casts a sweeper, and you purposefully crew them just to trigger the weatherlight. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's actually really um, funny. So next up, just a quick mention. I don't think this card's particularly good, but I think this card is awesome. And you might be able to pull off some stupid shit with this. Um, Retadranic of Urborg. Two white black for a legendary zombie wizard with vigilance and ward two. And it is a 3-3. Other zombies you control have vigilance. Whenever another legendary creature you control dies, create a token that is a copy of that creature, except it is, it is not legendary, and it's a 2-2 black zombie. In addition to its other colors and types. Like, this is just like, getting multiple copies of legendaries just allows for shenanigans. Mm. Also worth noting, like, it doesn't exile the creature when it makes it a token. Yeah, exactly. So this goes in a shell easily with something like uh, can't stay away mm-hmm. right and the creature dies and you just immediately can't stay away the original copy and now you've got two Thalias yep. stacking out your opponent like yeah that, that's pretty strong also I mean having ward is pretty nice uh, vigilance and ward so it can stay back as a blocker it's harder to kill um and uh, it doesn't even have to go in like a zombie deck because like the tokens you get end up having vigilance now. You could do something with zombies if you wanted to, but I don't think it's necessary. I think I'd rather just build around this. And there's to... not really any legendary zombies, so 
We don't have like Mikaeus the unhollowed kind of nonsense anyway. Yeah. Like, so I, I uh, or you can. Is there a card that just makes everything legendaries? I don't think so. I think it's the other way around. <laughs> there are cards that make like mirror box that make the legend rule not apply. Hmm. But like, and there's more cards already like spark double and stuff that say yeah make a copy that is not legendary. So. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just thought the card was cool, and I think you can do shenanigans with this. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I guess one quick mention. Didn't put it on the list, but this card is pretty fun. Uh, Urborg Lurgoif. Uh, it's just Yo, Pioneer Tarmogoyf, basically. Uh, <laughs> one of the green for a Lurgoyf creature. A kicker of blue and or black. Uh, as it enters the battlefield, mill three cards for each time it was kicked. So this could mill you six cards. Uh, and its power is equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard, and its toughness is equal to that number plus one. This is like a cool, like, big beat stick and dredgeless dredge, I think, that can mill you a bit in a pinch. I think it's cool. It's a very nice reference to Tarmogoyf. When I first read this, and I saw the power and toughness, and it's like, did we... And I, When I first read this, I don't know why my brain just immediately saw the power and toughness and checked the creature type. And I was like, wait, is this Tarmogoyf? And then I kept reading, and I was like, ah, it's not quite. But it could be bigger than Tarmogoyf, though. Where? Like, this, could, this could just be a, like a 2 mana 10, 11. There was a... Where is it? Um, Unless that was a commander card that I saw. Was a fro- You're looking for, like, old stick, fi- old stick fingers or no, something? No, I was looking for the that frog from, uh... that's in this set. Because I thought you were talking about that at first. That's why I said, yo, what up? Where's the frog? <sighs> Is that a commander card? Or something like that orc spawn of Borg or something. Yeah. Where is it? I thought I'd seen it too. It was just three mana. You can uh, each turn, each upkeep you surveil. Right? Yeah, I, I have no idea where that card is. I saw it. It's not in the commander shit. What the fuck? Where's my frog? Where's my boy? Where is... I demand frog. <laughs> I demand my frog. Yeah, I can't fucking find it. It's not. I can't find it in the, the special art stuff. Oh, the, I found him in the special art. <laughs> there he is. Erg, spawned of Turg. Double black and a green for a star five. Power is equal to the number of lands in your graveyard. Beginning of your upkeep, you get to basically surveil one. Then you can pay a black and a green, sacrifice a land, you gain two life. I don't think it's particularly good, but I love the card. That card's cool. But I think this this Urborg, Lurgoyf, I can see this in, like, Dredgeless Dredge. It's, like, maybe even just, like, a two-off or something. Yeah. Because, like... That deck could definitely, I think, run into the issue of, like, having too many mill cards, but not enough mill payoffs. And this card, in a way, is both. True. Even though it's a little bit less good at being either. So, like, you find, like, this is, like, half an enabler and half a payoff. But sometimes you just, like, want that type of card to have, like, a good balance in your deck. Also not a bad top deck. Because, I mean, you kick it twice, like, later game, and then, like, maybe you hit, like, a prize amalgam and, like, whatever. Uh, not legendary. Right, so moving I on. play both. I no, play not four. legendary. I play four. Fuck it. Fuck it. Um, 
Move on to another card that says fuck it to every card in play. Karn's Silex. Three colorless mana for a legendary artifact, which enters the battlefield tapped, thank god. Uh, players can't pay life or cast spells. Um, or two. What? Players can't pay life to cast spells. Oh, or to activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. So you just like goodbye fetchland. Uh, obviously not relevant for this format, but field passage. You just can't pay life um, to cast spells for th or activate. Oh yeah, field passage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, oh, sticking. this messes up a Danto Vanguard. Hell yeah. Um, anyway, it also has X tap. Exile Karn Silex. Uh, destroy each non-land permanent with mana value X or less. Activate only as a sorcery. So this is like a pernicious deed kind of card for the boomers here that played with that card. This card's really um, good. It's a staple in Karn boards now. Yeah, just like, oh no, goes to Exile. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Let me back. just Karn it back. So like... Kar Karn wants his X again. Also, He's I like, mean, no, now that I'm they're not, playing I'm Teferi and you have Kiora, you can just like, oh uh, no, so it comes in tapped. What am I going to do? Oh <laughs> no, untap. <laughs> like, and so like, if you're going against like an aggro deck and you're like not quite there to combo off, but you ha you're, like, you're, that, you're that weird spot of like being one or two mana short to like just straight up combo off uh, and win. You're like, all right, Karn Silex, I'm going to just, you know, untap it choose two or less or even three or less and you don't really mind losing your Kiora. Um, and then you're like, all right. Goodbye. Go back everything. to you, aggro player who has just, zero just cards for, in hand. So people, yeah, just so people know because they're going to forget, people are going to forget this. If there's an old growth troll on one of your lands, that is still a three mana card. Yes, because it's like permanence. Yeah. Yeah, but people so often forget enchantments that are on lands. Because it's just like my one wolf big pile. havens. No. Um. Then that's yeah. This is just a card. I just want a straight yes or no, so I know this card is playable, Brad. So I'll read it out first, and then I'll give you a straight yes or no answer because you play decks that play this, and I don't. Okay. Uh, Lagomos, Hand of Hatred, one black red, so three mana for a one three human shaman. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 2-1 red elemental creature token with trample and haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Next ability is tap. Search your library for a card. Put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Activate only if five or more creatures died this turn. Simple yes or no. In your sacrifice deck, do you ever get to trigger this card? Like, do you ever get to actually search for a card? <sighs> like realistically maybe um i so wanted you to say no and i could be like okay cool moving on i just read the next card <laughs> yeah it's three toughness is tough um as far as being playable it makes the two one you know, which is nice. Uh, trample and haste, sacrifice at the beginning, next end step. That's fine. Um, that's a fine ability. And then the searching is really nice. Um, but you need five fucking creatures to die. 
So that's pretty fucking difficult. Uh, This, I'll put it this way. Alex, this card has a home. It's not Rakdos Sack. It's not a traditional sack list. It's Jun Citadel. Because you can actually act, you can actually sacrifice stuff when you're kind of storming off a bit way easier. Um, but even then, I'm going to say no. And it's not even worth it for the beginning, the first thing. Because if, if, uh, if a sack deck really wanted that token generation that sacks itself and just, you know, for good, de- a decent attack and it's, you know, sacks, whatever, you can play either uh, Hungry for More, which is the two mana, make a three one vampire token thing that has the same thing. It sacks itself with haste uh, and flashback for three. You can play three mana Chandra from uh, uh, that M20 set, I think. Um, yeah. And make a one one every turn. It sacks itself with any, like the elementals. So like there are other cards you can play for that ability. And even then, if they're not being played now, you probably are, are don't really care about that type of effect. So I would say no. Bad card. Don't play it. Yeah, there was just one thing I was thinking of because it counts your opponent. If you go... Mayhem Devil Because the forgotten, the forgotten mode on Priest of Forgotten Gods is that you are somehow also allowed to target yourself. So, yeah. Priest of Forgotten Gods, I sack two creatures to activate it. I target my opponent, they sack a creature. I target myself, they sack a creature. And my elemental dies on my end step. That's five. So, like, that made me think, like, maybe this card isn't even that bad. Like, because... A lot of hoops. To be honest, yeah, and a lot of games where you untap and get to activate Priest of Forgotten Gods against a creature deck are, like, games you're winning already. Yes. And what are you searching for? But I did think that, like... Like Fable? Priest of Forgotten Gods being this, like, one-stop shop to, like, immediately activate this card I thought was pretty cool. Mm. Like, yeah. I don't even know what you'd search for in a sack deck. Like, oh, man, I really need this Mayhem Devil next turn. (laughs) Like... Yeah. So I'm gonna say no. Don't Don't play it. Wishful thinking... Um, just a, t- too much to jump through and not enough value uh, on the floor of what this card does. Yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, I don't know. I just thought this card was neat. Uh, it is. Battle Wing Mystic. Um, also a very neat card. One and a blue for a 2-1 Bird Wizard with Flying, which has a kicker cost of one red. And it says, when Battlewing Mystic enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, discard your hand, then draw two cards. I just thought this was like a really like such like a good fit for like an is it tempo-y shell. Now, an is it spell slinger's dist in Pioneer is probably on Treasure Cruise and will basically never be empty-handed. But I just thought like two mana for a two-one is like. 2-1 flying. It's like an okay rate. It is a wizard, so it like enables wizard's lightning in this deck of a reasonable card. And with this card, even as like a 2-off, and then you have your treasure cruise and your other nonsense, it's going to be really hard to run out of gas. True. Um, I wish it had a bit more 
going on in terms of its stats. I wish it had haste. I wish it was a 3-1. That, yeah, or that, yeah. If it was a 3-1, it'd be so cool. I think haste would be a little much, but, like, just, just being a 3-1. I mean, this has to compete with Balmor, though, the new one, which is uh, one in a red for a two-mana legendary creature bird wizard with flying is a 1-3. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, oh, gain trample to a turn. Um, I mean, I feel like they just go in the same deck. Yeah, uh, but then you have a... But, but Alex... Listen to the amount of two drops you have, though. Balmore, this card, Sprite Dragon. Um, I mean, Sprite Dragon 100% goes in this kind of deck, right? You don't even give a fuck what kind of the creature type is. Um, Ledger Shredder. Maybe. Ledger Shredder, yeah, probably. So, like, your two drop slot is uh, pretty Dude, at thick. this point, I don't want wizard payoffs. I want bird payoffs. Uh, like I don't think there, there are any, but I want are, bird yeah, payoffs. Where is my bird lord? Oh, I mean, like I'm sure there's some like fifth edition set or whatever. Like I know there's one that had like a Pegasus tribal land or something. So like, maybe we'll find something there. But like, I don't know, dude. Give me bird payoff. Uh, um, there is nothing that helps birds <laughs> there's feels bad there's uh animal sanctuary puts a plus one plus one counter on target bird cat dog goat or ox or snake there's <laughs> uh azorius kirun becomes a 2-2 bird goblin bird grabber is just in the name raven wings is you equip it gets plus one plus oh is flying and is also a bird <laughs> And then there's uh, a Coom Firebird, which just has bird in the name. So, uh, oh, wait, hold on. I only searched with black and red. We have more cards. I see nothing that right, helps There's quite birds. a few birds. Let's not read all of them. <laughs> bird, 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 bird. I'm trying to see if there's a bird lord. Um, you can play Skycat Sovereign. Hey. But that's just a flying payoff, right? Or is it a bird payoff? It's a flying payoff. But then you play Skycat Sovereign and then the other one that Spirits plays that just gives things a flying thing. Oh, Imperial Eagle. Yeah. That's a... Is that a bird? I mean... I'm thinking, like... Oh, no, but you just got Watcher off the Spheres and a lot of these birds are two mana with one colorless in them, so... Yeah, play that too. Now they're one mana birds. And that's, also a, that's also a bird wizard. <laughs> Man, this deck gets wrecked by temporary lockdown. It is all two drops. <laughs> yes. Good. So the next card I wanted to go over, just touch on real quick, because it's it just like one deck it goes into with one good interaction, I think, is Baird. Uh, Argivian Recruiter, also finally getting a good card, because Baird also got a card in the previous Dominaria set, and it was horrendous. So cool to get like a decent one now. Uh, red and a white, so Boros, for a 2-2 legendary creature human soldier. At the beginning of your end step, if you control a creature with power greater than its toughness, then its base power, excuse me, with power greater than its base power, so basically basically a modified creature, but then it has to be modified for stats, uh, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token. I just thought this curves really neatly with um, experiment one. 
mm-hmm. where you just go experiment one, play this. Experiment one gets a counter, therefore it has more power than its it has more stats than its base stats, and you get a one one. So I thought this could be like a like a fun like early filler, uh, you know, with all this like three drop tribal introduction into humans. I was like, this could be a cool one to bring it all down a little bit again. I mean, couldn't this also just go into Boros Heroic, kind of? I don't think it's very I, good. I just don't. But I, I think that deck wants to be like all it wants to do is speed. Yeah. All right. How so about you this? Mean, you play this, and you go Jeskai. You play this with Balmor, and every time you cast an instant, your team is pumped. Move to end step. Before the pump goes away, this triggers, and then you make a one-one, and then you can pump the one-ones. The next turn. And it works with any pump, though. I mean, yeah. How does this work with Adeline? Is Adeline like a zero four for the sake of like her base power and toughness? Yes. Or is her base power and toughness modified? So like if you have two creatures in play, she is a two four and that is her base? I don't know how that works. I think it's that way. So I think Adeline wouldn't mm. like auto trigger this card, but Yeah. Would be cool. Uh, and just it triggers on every end step, so the moment you have a creature with a counter on, this guy triggers over and over again until you get rid of either of the cards. So pretty easy to enable to just have like a 1-1 one, one machine. Um, oh, but now I want to talk about maybe one or two drops. I'm most... In a set full of good two drops, apparently. Boy, do I have a two drop for you. It is... Um, the reason goat bots got bought out, <laughs> a lot of people think of all merfolk. Yep. Um, Vodalian Hexcatcher. One and a blue for a merfolk wizard with flash. It is a mere 1-1. One, one. However, other merfolk you control get plus 1, plus 1. And then it has an activated ability of sacrifice a merfolk, counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pays 1. This just turns your Merfolk deck into a control deck when you need it to be, which is awesome. Uh, It is a Lord. It has Flash, which is very much the gameplay where Merfolk wants to be. They have a couple of creatures with Flash. It is a deck that occasionally wants to run some counter magic, uh, which this can be. Uh, I think this goes phenomenally well with Deep Root Waters from Ixalan, where every time you cast a Merfolk, you get a token, which means it is pretty easy to just, like, put the board, like, on lock for non-creature spells. Brad, maybe people people start playing Jungle Born Pioneer. Remember <laughs> that uh, where someone like if you guys were a magic card, the three mana two two that makes a merfolk. Probably yeah. not a card shit, but um, yeah, this card's just like really kick ass. This is such a good merfolk. Like it, it is it is basically what you want in the deck. It's it's disruptive. It has a clock. Uh, it's in relevant colors. It, it is a wizard, which I guess might be relevant. I don't think you want to run Wizard's Retort in this deck, but maybe you do. I mean, you have quite a few Merfolk or Shamans, or which wiz- is there's a, no. Well, hold on, there's there's the um, the Flash Trickster. That's a wizard. There's the Reveal Merfolk that when you reveal it, um, you reveal a card as a cost. That's a wizard. But I think that's where it ends. Because there's a lot of warriors and there's a lot Scryfall of Scryfall Merfolk Wizard. 
Well, I, I made a merfolk list, so I can have a look at it. Um, oh, Harbinger of the Tides is a wizard. The one that bounces a tapped creature. If Brad and I... I had brewed up a, a merfolk list real quick. And I chose because Merfolk doesn't have a good... Yeah, they have quite a few wizards, but that doesn't mean they're all good. Um, Mistcaller Brad is a wizard. Yeah. Um, people that don't know, Mistcaller, one blue for a 1-1 one, one Merfolk wizard with Sacrifice Mistcaller. Until end of turn, if a non-token creature would enter the battlefield and it wasn't cast, exile it instead. Basically, sacrifice this Containment Priest until end of turn. Uh, but that is a wizard. So, like, the, the brew I came up with uh, accidentally has 19 wizards in it. So, maybe? Uh, you could also play the uh, Bethnic Biomancer. That's a wizard. If you want to play, like, another one drop. Um... Yeah, so Merfolk Wizards. I like. To, uh, I actually like Coppola a decent amount in a Wizards deck, giving all your Wizards effectively Ward 2. Or, I'm sorry, your Merfolk Ward 2. Yeah, like, my, my problem with running a card like... Because, uh, again, I tried to make this deck. And if you want to run Wizards Retort, which is a double blue, like, I just built this deck with four Secluded Courtyard, four Unclaimed Territory, and this mana base is clean. Like, you just cast everything whenever you want to, right? You've got a green one drop in a deck with very little green, and it just doesn't matter. Like, you're casting Coco whenever you want. Like, you've got enough green source with Yavi Maya Coast, Breeding Pool, Botanical Sanctum. You could run some Pathways, but I, I didn't want to skim on... Uh, I didn't want to play cards that only tap for green, because there is a lot of double blue creatures. Um, and, like, this is just so fucking clean, and... You might dig into that. But like anyway, it doesn't matter if you end up doing it. It is an op it is an option that you have. Yeah. And that's always just a thing you want to be doing. Because like this Merfolk deck has a lot of two drops. So it's not that good of a collected company deck. So it would cut Mistbinder, which is like your second lord. But like you can maybe not run green, or at least run a very minor green splash. And then you could basically play this as a mono blue deck, and you might even like want to top at like Master of Waves or something, and do like more of a devotion kind of thing. But th this card is so powerful individually. I mean, like it adds so much power to the Merfolk deck just by itself that Merfolk might genuinely be playable now, which is hype. Yeah, I think it's cool. Another thing I expected to be saying, like, going into this set. Like, oh yeah, Murph will be playable. Like, what? Um, so, I guess we could quickly go over this whole cycle. Because uh, Vodalian Hexcatcher is a cycle of two mana lords for a specific tribe that all do something extra. So, I, I guess I'll just start talking about them in random order, basically. Um, Rundveld Horde Master is one in a red for a goblin warrior. So obviously it's a warrior lord. No, it's a goblin lord. Uh, other goblins you control get plus one plus one. It is a one one itself. Whenever Rundveld Horde Master or another goblin you control dies, exile the top card of your library. If it's a goblin, you may cast that card until the end of your next turn. 
I mean, that's just like... Like, I'm a bit torn on this card. Because it's very good board wipe protection. Um, but it's not as, like, individually powerful. And you exile the top cards, and you can only cast them if they're goblins. Uh, so, like, if you find some sideboard cards, or some burn, that, or some removal you want to be running, you can't hit any of that either. And obviously, your opponent can't go for the classic move of just throw a removal spell at the Horde Master and then sweep you anyway. So, like, I, 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 I don't think this one is very good. I think it's fine, but, like... Like where where the Hexcatcher could push Merfolk to viability almost single-handedly, this card does not even come close. Like this does not have that kind of impact on the strength of the deck. I mean, why not? Because it's just like. It's just a bit of board wipe protection that your opponent can play around. Which I don't think is just like as good. Whereas I feel like the Voldalian Hexcatcher is very proactive. And I feel like the Horde Master is a little too reactive in a deck that like like goblins that wants to be very proactive. Robot Skirk Prospector. Where something like I mean, it quote unquote combos with Prospector. But you have to exile the top card, and it has to be a goblin in order for you to be able to cast it. I think if this could just say, you can cast it, or even you can play it so you can hit lands, then like it'll, it, it opens up the deck a bit more. But here you're going to like board in unlicensed disintegration. Uh, I mean, sorry, not unlicensed. Uh, un the hearse. Uh, unlicensed hearse. Yeah. You might want to have, like, a Braid or, like, a Tormod script or just, like, cards like that. You're just all, like, not going to be able to cast off this card. And, like, Skirk Prospector isn't that good of a card in Pioneer Goblins because you're not really doing the unfair things with it that you can do in other formats. Yeah, like Muxes and stuff. I mean, this yeah, could exactly. also just be fine in the sense of, like, Goblins plays a lot of one-drops and shit. Um, and then, like, you play this... Um, you can just play it on turn two and like turn three, you go on like Rabble Master or like War Boss or something. Like, you, this goblins can really develop a huge clock. And then when you force your opponent to sweep you, then turn four, let's say you hit another one of these. Um, hold on, it's whenever uh, another goblin control dies. Excellent. So it's, it's for it counts for each one, right? Um, and I then you're so, yes. you're probably playing like thirty fucking goblins in your deck anyway. Uh, yeah, so yeah, like it's, it's just I mean it's not a bad card, not in the slightest. But what I meant is that like if both decks are a four, like Voldalian Hexcatcher makes Merfolk a six by itself, and this card makes goblins like a five. So like it's good. It makes the deck better. But I would be surprised if Goblins is basically unplayable and this card gets printed and now it would be, like, good. Okay. We'll have to, I'll just see. I don't know. Um, there is the one, the Battlecry Goblin from uh, AFR that's really good. But that card's really good. And this uh, kind of turns on the, uh, what's that keyword called? Um, 
where like it, it the all, that cycle has it like even uh, actually a bunch of cards have back it. Back tactics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, turns on that way faster. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think this could be something really cool. Um, we're probably still a goblin or so away. Like, uh, we we have one of the three men awards, right? Um. Yeah, we have the one that reduces cost. Yeah, but we don't have the one. Uh, the other uh, one. I think it's war chief. Yeah. Is the one we have, and we don't have chieftain, which is the two two that gives all your other goblins plus one plus one on haste. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I think Chieftain would have done more for the strategy than uh, Horde Master. Yeah. Where I feel like, if we're talking about the M13 ones that are not in, where, like, Voldalian Hexcatcher probably does more than Master of the Pearl Trident would have done for Merfolk. Be cool if we got both of them anyway. True. Speaking of, I, this card is cool, but I wish we got both. Um... Leaf-crowned visionary. So this in this slot, I tweeted, "Please be archdruid. Please be archdruid. Please be archdruid." Mm-hmm. And I would still rather have archdruid. But this card rocks. Uh, I thought it was kind of shit when I first read it, but then I read it again, and people talk about it. I was like, no, this card, this card's actually pretty fucking good. Um, Leaf-crowned visionary, green, green, for an a one-one elf druid. Other elves you control get plus one plus one, and whenever you cast an elf spell, you may pay green. If you do, draw a card. Just elves go boo. Yeah. Draw cards. But here's here's my issue with this card. It does nothing to solve the issue of elves. Because it's basically taking that game plan that elves has where it just kind of goes off. And you're like, yeah, let's do that more. Where the biggest issue of elves is like all the lords that we have and even in frankly all the lords that elves had have in general are and elves in general are one ones and two twos at the most right so yeah they're so fragile and i kind of wish that elves got the goblin ability instead of this where you exile no, the- I- because if there's a deck that needs board white protection, it's elves. Because they could easily recoup yeah, all I, of that. I do get that. But I do feel like... I don't know, like, in terms of design, I don't mind that they, like, they went for, like, elves just go all in harder. Mm-hmm. Like, I've noticed with Circle of Dreams Druid, when that got printed... Uh, there were some matchups where I would just really aggressively mulligan to turn one dork, turn two circle of dreams through it, and then just like something. So like mm-hmm. I'd have like a pretty functional hand, but it'd be like, nah, I need to go faster. And I don't mind getting a card that like does more of this, because at this point in elves, I was still playing cards like Realm Walker, uh, maybe Harold. Elvish Visionary, which I think is a card you might be able to cut now. Trying to, like... Because you didn't quite have the tools to go fully all-in as well, but you also didn't have a really good, like, way to recoup some value. And I think this card's, like, pretty decent at doing both. You know, I can imagine you just, like... 
have some mana, but you like sandbag like two Llanowar elves because you're like, I don't really need the mana right now. And like, what if I draw this card? Do you play this? You draw some cards. Like, I, I think this card's pretty cool. But yeah, if this was Archdruid, I'd be like playing nothing but elves basically. And instead, I got this pretty fucking cool card, but not. It's not Hexcatcher. Yeah. Put it that way. And then um, the other the other awards are kind of like. Uh, the, the black one's weird, but talk about the white one real quick. Uh, Valiant Veteran, one and a white for a 2 2 core soldier. Other soldiers you control get plus one, plus one. <laughs> well. Just, and, and then it has three white, white. Exile Valiant Veteran from your graveyard. Put a 1 1 counter on each soldier you control. I mean, can we please just errata? every version of soldier, warrior, and berserker to dude with weapon. Because then that would suddenly be a good tribe, because it got all these cool cards. But it's just spread across all three. Now, like, I'm not playing fucking soldier tribal. Yeah, and even looking at, like, humans, uh, to see if this could be in that deck... You have these weird conflictions between like soldiers and knights. Like bodyguard is a knight, um, Kithian's a soldier, so that's cool. Soldier of the Pantheon, if you Adeline play that, is, is a, a soldier. Adeline's a knight, but then Thalia and Thalia's lieutenant are both soldiers. Lumernic Aspirin is for some reason a fucking cleric. Um, uh, Brutal Cathar is a soldier, so cool. Extraction, extraction specials though is a fucking rogue. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> And like, if you look at like, let me look at oh, like the no. Bant version because I mean, Reflector Mage is a fucking wizard, right? Yeah. Oh my god! I have you looked at the Goldfish meta page recently? All of the Monogreen Devotion decks are split up in their fucking ridiculous yeah, colors. Ah! Oh! Split into four color band, like five color. Just, we've got all of them. Why the fuck would you do this? Um. Where is Bant Humans? I see four color humans. Is there no is there no Bant Humans on the list anymore? Okay. Sure, let's look at four color then. Uh yeah, bodyguards of night again. Uh Thraven Inspector is a soldier. Cool. Uh Possible Purifying What's Light is a, a fucking Mantis cleric. Rider? Mantis Rider is not in this list. Uh I, I think don't... that's a warrior, but might be a it's monk a spirit type. Monk is a creature uh, monk, type. Uh, spirit type, a creature type. Yeah, monk is yeah, a creature type. Yeah, it is. Type. It's a human monk. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, General Kudro is a soldier, so you can bump, pump up your Kudros. Uh, I mean, that's just like, there's a pretty decent number of soldiers. But like, as you're saying, it's just so conflicting with like these other types that just show up. So like, it gets really awkward. And also... Like, I know that's not, it doesn't really matter if you're good at it. becomes really awkward to keep track of on the board. Like, because you're like, plus one, plus one to this one and this one, but not this one, but not this one. But this token gets a buff, but this token doesn't. You're like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> uh, you can play Anafenza. That's a soldier. Um, you can play Anax. I will say, I'm surprised uh, by the number of soldiers. <laughs> Uh, I thought there were fewer soldiers. Boros Challenger, hell yeah. Cathar Commando, let's go. Yeah, and there's that, like, Kithkin that's a soldier. That's somehow from, like, M15. Wait, Denik is a soldier? thought that was a wizard. 
or a cleric. Favorite hoplite? Cool. I I don't know, man. Yeah, you there's could, a preeminent captain. Make it work. Uh, two and a white for a Kithkin soldier with first strike. And whenever it attacks, you may put a soldier creature card from your hand on the battlefield tapped and attacking. So, like, that's honestly, like, a pretty powerful effect. But, yeah, I don't know. Just errata to dudes with swords, please. Dudes with weapons, even. Let's be more generous. Swiftblade Vindicator, Tajik, uh, both Tajiks, 10th uh, District Legion. All the Morals cards are probably soldiers. They're all soldiers. Uh... Like, the the biggest thing that would draw me into even trying this is just, like, the fact that Thalia and Thal's Lieutenant and Thraven Inspector, you're already decent. Yeah, yeah, those are all soldiers. Um, Man, Adeline is so good, and that's randomly, like, a warrior that makes human token. It's a knight. Oh, knight, yeah. She's a knight. Didn't we oh, get yeah, knight it's support, split though? Up between, it's split up between, not even three, it's split up between soldier, knight, warrior, and berserker. We got knight support. And then, like, there's some clerics, too. Yeah, I know, but we have knight support. We have soldier support. We have warrior support. We have a bit of support for everybody. Everybody gets a little support group. But it's not enough for any of them. But let's move on and yep. talk about the black one. Shadow Rite Priest. Two in the black uh, for a 2-2 human cleric. Other clerics you control get plus one, plus one. And then it has three black, black tap, so five mana. Sacrifice another cleric. Search your library for a black creature card. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. This just grabs any black creature from your deck and puts it on the battlefield. Which I think is, like, pretty sick. I don't think it's very good. You are paying seven mana and second a creature. It's just like split up. At that point, I'm kind of like, I, I, I'll just cast it. I mean, we don't have Gristlebrand, so like, yeah. What are you going to get? Like, what are you even grabbing? Razakath, Villas. Uh, yeah, I guess. Same. Eh. <laughs> Maybe. But, like, there, there is, like, the potential to just, like, pull any card out of your deck, and that's just pretty pretty kick-ass. Yeah. Um, um, before, next card up. Before we go to the oh, next yeah. card, real quick, because we were kind of... We were past the halfway point, but... Forgot to do this, like, 20 minutes ago. If you're enjoying this podcast so far, and you are an avid listener, we want to thank you. Thank you for being here. You guys are the best. Uh, remember to go ahead if you want to get early access to episodes you can go to uh, patreon and um, if you've joined the patreon there are a bunch of different goodies that you can take advantage of and of course the big one right off rip is uh, just getting access to episodes early um, we have new patreons that I need to thank if I could spell patreon correctly and log into patreon and have this you know up ahead of time rather I've than got them. do this. Okay, do it. <laughs> I will read out. We we are still at the number of patrons. We can read out all of them. Um, so we have Sir Epic, Bridger, also an elk, Patrick Newman, Aaron Gareth, Will Ferguson, and then new patrons, 
patrons, I think. Yes, new patrons, Aaron Richardson and Dwayne Lesnar. Cool. And then obviously Kevin supporting us on Anchor. So thank you all very much for your support. And uh, yeah, we we really appreciate it. And I think it's like kind of awesome. When we first set up the Patreon, I was like, it's going to be like such a letdown if we set up the Patreon <laughs> and there's just like no one there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you guys have been wonderful supporting us and like active in like, you know, contacting at, at least me and stuff like that on Patreon and like in Discord. So that it, it means a lot. Um, and of course, if you want to support the show in other ways, there's Ink Gaming. Uh, two links available in the description. The first one is stuff for our actual personal store of Pioneer Perspective merch. The other one is just the affiliate link. Either way, anytime you get stuff from, uh, from uh, Ink Gaming in general, either one will support us and that helps us out a lot. Uh, you can follow both myself and Alex on Twitter, Bradsifer and Disciple Bullis. Um, and then there is uh, the Discord for Playaway. Um, and uh, to go back to the Patreon tiers, we have the Angry Cow tier is one of them. Um, that one basically adds to, uh, <laughs> which is just a picture of Angrath. That one allows you to get all the stuff from the other one. And you can, uh, what's it called, um, suggest... Uh, full episode segments um or full episodes in general uh once a month you're allowed to basically give us uh one of those and we will make that into a segment or full episode based on how much we can squeeze out of that prompt basically so that's what that gets and then everything else beyond that gets stuff like uh like merch and shit so yeah it's cool but yeah thank you guys you guys are the best and we'll get back to talking about random ass shit so actually Speaking we have Shieldred's thingy. Shieldred's Restoration. Three and a black for a sorcery. I know you were extremely excited when we saw this, so we'll talk about it. Three and a black, four mana for a sorcery, with a kicker of two and a white. Uh, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. If this spell was kicked, you gain life equal to that card's mana value. Otherwise, you lose that much life. And then exile Shieldred's Restoration. So yeah, it's a four mana... I want to say unconditional, but the condition is losing the life. But as close as we can get to I mean, it's unconditional, just for four yeah. Mana. So, I think that's cool. We really haven't had one at four mana yet in the format. Um, we have blood for bones is the closest thing, but you need to sacrifice a creature uh, as the cost, um, and everything else is pretty much five mana. It's fucking insane that reanimate is a one mana card. Like, we get it for four mana, and we're like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I still don't know if we have the payoffs that we really want to uh, reanimate stuff. I think we're still waiting on something like that. I'm not sure what you reanimate. I think Titan of Industry is cool because it can set off the life loss. True. If, like, you're in a matchup where your life total is relevant, you can grab this and at least gain the life. Uh, so it's less of a problem to reanimate this early and if you're like in a control matchup you just like put a shield counter on and make a 4-4 so like because you don't really care about your life total so I think I think that's pretty, a pretty sweet reanimation target yeah other than that there's there's like not that much yeah I still wish we had Archon of Cruelty in the format I think Archon of Cruelty is so fucking expensive Ouch. and we don't have we don't have persist in the format so like who cares I just kind of don't want Uro and Croxal on one card like just out of principle But it's eight mana. Or six. Yeah, see? It's like escaping both. 
That sounds I flavorful. Like, I, don't, I, I, I don't want it. I, I just I just <laughs> want Uro as far away from my life as possible. <laughs> Bring him back. But like yeah, I mean honestly, Shorter's restoration. The fact that you have the kicker to gain the life instead can make it when you draw this later make it mm -hmm. a huge swing. Just imagine you're against an aggressive deck and you have made it to turn seven, and you just pull a um, Titan of Industry out of your graveyard, gain seven, and then also gain the five of the Titan. Yeah. Like, that is just, like, the kind of, like, game over kind of plays. Then you get a 4-4 four, four Rhino. That, too. So, yeah, I, I think this is a cool card. It's one to keep an eye on until we get a strictly better reanimation card. Um, and also want to keep an eye on if we get a really good reanimation target. It's not going to be relevant right now, but it's one that's uh, definitely worth noting. All right. Up next is Leyline Binding. Uh, five and a white, so six mana for an enchantment with flash and domain. This spell costs one less to cast for each basic land type among lands you control. When Leyline Binding enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Leyline Binding leaves the battlefield. So it's just an oblivion... Well, it's an O-ring effect for one mana if you have full domain with flash. Which is pretty... pretty fucking nuts. Also pretty easy to do in a deck that would love to play this as as many copies as it can, which is going to be Enigmatic Fires, already a five-color fires deck, toolboxy kind of deck. Um, in the past, has played Nylia's uh, Presence, which is pretty cool. And Nylia's Presence does say Enchanted Land has every basic land type in addition to its other types, so that immediately turns on Domain right off the bat, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's, a, that's, that's awesome. Another thing we were talking about before the cast is like, you could also even like like let's say if you really need to remove like a land or elf or like a dork to like keep them like at bay early on or just an early threat that you don't care about that much except in the early game, you can always sacrifice this thing to uh, enigmatic and then go get a titan of industry or an agent treachery or something. And I actually really like the idea of like taking a thing that's very scary from them with this, like a like a planeswalker or like a big creature, and then. Sacking this enigmatic, getting an agent of treachery, and then just stealing it <laughs> and having it for yourself anyway. Right back, yeah, awesome. Um, I also think because like you were making a point of like, oh, you really have to get rid of a Lanor elf, and then yeah, because you have to realize, I mean, that is obviously unlikely, but if you have um, a Grixis Triome and a Temple Garden, this is one mana, or like you could even play um, like. A temple garden and then a watery grave untapped like on turn two and this is two mana so if you're on the play you can totally get rid of a lanowar elf before your opponent gets to untap with it like that is actually very reasonable with this card if you're yeah. playing a five color deck especially because we have all the triomes now we have all the triomes all the shocks like you, you can you can get here like pretty reasonably which is Kind of crazy if you think about it. Like, this is like Domain is this kind of mechanic where it's really going to shine. Like, even though they're a little slow, like how good Pioneer mana bases are for slower decks. Because, like, in Modern, if people do too much of this bullshit, people just Blood Moon you. Yeah. But 
you don't you don't get to do that in binary. You could like, yeah, I could field a ruin people, and it's like, yeah, but if people do that too often, they just put one of each basic in their deck, and then they just leyline binding you for one mana anyway. And also, this is perfectly fine for two and even three mana. Oh yeah, of course, as flash. Yeah, we, yeah, we pay, <clears throat> like. I know that was standard, but cast out was a playable card, and that's four mana. Like you, you could totally play this for three mana and just be like perfectly fine with I it. I would argue so cast you, out you could, is you still could, playable because the cycle. Yeah, you could. I mean, obviously, if you get like a three color deck, you do get more like checklands and pathways and that sort of thing that makes this less likely to have all the types. But like, you could play this in like Esper Control. Like yeah. Esper Control, this is this is fine. You don't have to be on all five colors. Like, some domain cards, you look at them, and you're like, yeah, if you're not in, like, at least four colors, this card is just trash. I mean, one triome like, puts no, us on can... rate perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Like, one triome, and you're good to go. Um, Then the next card, where are we? Uh, oh, I want to just mention this, because this card is just too fucking cool. Um, Revas of the Claw. A three, uh, one black red for a three three Viashino warlock ma with menace. Uh, tap, add two mana in any combination of colors. Spend this mana only to cast dragon creatures, or oh, and oh, there's more than one effect. Um, once during each of your turns, you may cast a dragon creature spell from your graveyard, and then also when you cast a dragon creature spell from your graveyard, it gains when this creature dies, exile it. Um. Yeah, this is like this is like really good dragon support. Like it's a three mana three three good body. It's a decent attacker if you need it to be, but otherwise it makes you a boatload of mana and you can recast all your dragons. This card is just like sick. You can miss a land drop and cast a glory bringer to turn after you play this. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite cards in the entire set. <clears throat> yeah, it's just like so cool. Like I've been wanting to build with dragons for like a while, and this is just like. It's, like, so good. And just being in Rakdos, not going in any other color, it's fine. Because there are enough yeah, like, good dragons in just red alone. Yeah, there's enough good dragon in red. So, like, it's it's a bit annoying that it's also black. But, like, I mean, the whole, like, casting cards from graveyard stuff wouldn't make sense at all if it was in mono red. So, like, it just I has mean, to be in Rakdos. Like, you don't but mind. It, you could even play, actually, like, mono-red dragons with black removal, or, like, there's probably... Yeah, that's, like, what, that's what I was thinking. Like, dragons. at the worst, like, this actually... I'm actually glad it's in Rakdos, because it gives you a reason to go into, like, Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, stuff to do on your early turns that mono-red yeah, normally like wouldn't really have access to. Frustrating as hell. I'm like, y yeah. yeah. Like, you can just play mono-red dragons with better interaction. Totally. I'm a fan of this card. Um, then let's think I have to scroll up quite a little bit and we get to Relic of Legends. Three mana for an artifact with tap at one mana of any color. We've seen this before a hundred times. But tap an untapped legendary creature you control at one mana of any color. Very noteworthy that this is the ability of the relic. So basically, for the sake of tapping for mana, your legends have haste. This is this is some bard class nonsense. And if Kethis was legal, uh, whew. yeah, it would be cool if Kethis was legal. 
<clears throat> I mean, it's fine. It's a it's a three mana uh, mana rock. We've seen those before, um, but has the actual bonus of like doing more than just tapping for mana. Um, I mean, it does tap for mana, but like it also like but taps for more mana. for mana. Yeah. Yeah, so, I was just mainly just thinking cool. Bard class. This looks really good in Bard class. Like, I feel like once you have Bard class and this card, it becomes very hard not to win the game immediately. True. Because you have a bunch of legends that will go down to zero or one mana, which means you now go through your deck for free, or even netting mana. And that just becomes, like, insurmountable at one point. Yeah, and you can tap right away. So, like, let's say if you go... Huh. Normally you want to go... Because if you go... Does Barclass play dorks? Uh, I think it can, but it might want to be on, like, Oath of Nissa type of thing more often. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you have your Barclass... How much is Barclass to level? Uh, Bard two, three, four. I think it's two, three, four. No, it's a two, two, five. So okay. two to play, two to upgrade, and then five to. So like, I think you can get here like pretty easily. Um. Hmm. You're gonna have to go. I don't know, I feel like you can basically win on turn three, but I think it involves starting with Ovia Pashini. The one mana one two green legendary from Kaladesh, which was sometimes mm -hmm. played in the deck just to enable Mox Amber. And like with that and Bard class and Bergy, I feel like you're like set up really well to go, and then you can play you can get down this relic, and at that point when you have the relic you just pop off. But like yeah, it's 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 hard to say like cleanly when you can go off like I'd, I'd need more than a few moments to think of some lines but I do know that sometimes Bard class can be a little questionable in going off because it's main ways to like really kick into high gear is a Xenagos but you can only have four Xenagos so you know treating this as like Xenagos 5 through 8 and then you can mm -hmm. see how many you need is just a good way to like boost the consistency of the deck obviously the main problem of the deck is finding Bard class but matter of time before we get a card that helps you with that. And then you're just, like, set. God, Bard class is so much fun. Yeah, Bard class is really awesome. I played against a Bard class deck not too long ago at FNM, and I got fucking destroyed by it. Like, holy shit. You know what would help like, he that? Completely, he completely popped off in game one. And then in game two, I got, like, mana screwed. But, like, still, like, he had just an alternate beatdown plan and just annihilated me. Too bad you don't have Damnation. True. Actually would have... Actually was relevant because I had, um... Um... Storm's Wrath, but all his shit was just too oh. big. All his stuff was yeah. just too big. Yeah, um, that's the tough thing. Next card... This card is kind of cool because I first like overlooked this card, but then I saw a tweet by Saffron Olive, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Um, Academy Lore Master. Uh, blue, blue, for a 2-3 human wizard. 
and it says, at the beginning of each player's draw step, that player may draw an additional card. If they do, spells they cast this turn cost two more to cast. Well, that's not a downside if you just play everything at instant speed. True, but it does work for your opponent too, so in a control mirror, this is awful. Oh, in a control mirror, this is just like... I mean, in a control mirror, this is great because you go to decking quicker, so you actually move on to the next game. Um, but like, yeah, yeah, in a control mirror, this is awful. But if you're not playing against a control, if you're a control deck or like a control ing deck versus a more proactive deck, you are often going to be drawing extra cards. And they're like, I don't think this card is great, but I do think this. First of all, this design is really cool, and mm. I can see this like randomly showing up in a. I mean, this could show up in like, um, in like a sideboard. Like, imagine you're playing something like Spirits or some sort of tempo deck. Even when you go against Control, your aim is to pick fights on their end step. So, yeah. you go to your opponent, you're, you play this card, you go to your Control opponent, and it's like, you, you want to draw an extra card? Because if you do, I'm just going to destroy you on your end step, because you can't win this war. That's true. And then, okay, we go to my turn, it's like, okay, cool, I draw a card, pass. You know, control decks don't have like the most spectacular things to do on end stuff. Like, yeah, you can you can play like a like a card draw spell. Like I've drawn an extra card of this card too, so like it's fine. And this card is also just attacking you for two, because it is a creature. So. Hmm. And it's a human, so you toolbox it up and like you could say Fuck. that for every human. <laughs> so like yeah, just cool card. Wanted to mention it. Um but this, this card, I am going to lose a lot of games to. Uh, and I think we all will. Combat Research. Uh, a single blue for an enchantment, Aura. Enchanted creature has, whenever this deals combat damage, uh, whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. As long as enchanted creature is legendary, it gets one plus one and has ward, one uh, irrelevant. Um... Basically, flavor text, but this is just keen sense. So it's curiosity, curious yeah. obsession. Five through eight, without having to go into green, is really, really good. Mm -hmm. Like this yeah. enables turn one spirit, turn two curiosity effect, backed up by guy slide snare, just so much more often. And that line is disgusting. Like, that's just, like, game over kind of lines. It's the best line that the deck has, yeah. Yeah, and it now does it twice as often. Because there's no lack for one-mana spirits. Um, there's even, if you want to run a couple spell peers or some dive-downs. So you have enough spirits, you have enough one-mana interaction, but you only had a playset of Curious Obsession. Well, now you've got two. Which is, this is literally the biggest upgrade the deck could ever get. Yeah, I saw someone talking about uh, what amount of numbers they would want of Curious Obsession if they could run any amount. And a lot of people in that conversation kind of settled around, like, six. So, like, I, and I think that's probably correct. I don't think you want eight. Eight seems like way too many to draw. Um, and you I still need know, some pieces of With the Geist Snare line? Like, fuck, I, I kind of want to be on eight. 
Yeah, but I also want to play some number of like lofty denial too. I don't want to just go all in this these uh, this one particular interaction of four guys light eight cures obsession effects. Um, I think I'd rather go four guys light two lofty denial six of these effects and then your creature base. I think is the sweet spot without being overly greedy because there will come a time where you just draw more of these that aren't going to be as impactful on certain board states. Um, it's also possible that this one ends up being, well, maybe not because Cures Obsession gives plus and plus one, but I was thinking because yeah, of the that, attack trigger thing. Yeah, that has to attack, but like that's generally not a problem because you're countering your opponent's stuff, your creature is evasive. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially now with um, witness protection so even if they have a big flyer there's a pretty easy way to get rid of it but yeah I, I just like I think this card is just like again it's just the best thing mono blue tempo could have gotten because outside of Liliana this might, might be the most impactful card yeah I think so too because um, you might not want 8 but you definitely want more than four. Like, I cannot imagine the correct number of obsession, uh, curiosity effects is four. Also, um, blue-white auras? Does that want more than four curious obsession? That's more of an option now. It's yeah, gone. It's you don't have to improved. play the two-drop one. True. Yeah, but they also the have the painland now. So This also could give... I mean, the the Painland also can actually bump up the idea of going to Azorius Spirits again and having Spellcaller. Um, and then you can also still go into this game plan, too. True. So, like, yeah, just good card. I kind of couldn't believe it when I read it. I was like, wait, we're getting another one? <laughs> like, shit. At least that's not straight up curiosity because curiosity has the whenever this creature deals damage. Yeah, I don't want people enchanting their niff with that and just winning the game on the spot. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know instantaneously that uh, is it controlled now just g- goes instead of doing the. Uh, I mean, it could still do the Narset thing, but it's really just going to be like the 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 finisher is now Niv and curiosity if we get that. Because what is. Uh, oh yeah, that was from Time Spiral because there's also a uh, Curiosity with Flash, but that's from Time Spiral, so that wasn't Pioneer Legal either. The art's kind of weird, and it reminded me of Innistrad. Yeah. So I was like, was that from Shadows? But no. Um, only a few cards left to talk about. Well, two, and then I will hit the refresh button on Mythic Spoiler and see if we have anything else. Um, I'm gonna flip those two around because I want to end on a high note and be bottom one of the list is not the most exciting but I didn't want to talk about it and it is Urtai's Scorn it is uh, this set's version of a cancel with upside so one blue blue counter target spell however this card costs one less blue mana to cast if an opponent casts two or more spells this turn by the way, the way this card reads totally made me think that one of the blue manas was Phyrexian mana at yeah. like first design. Um, because it's two spells, it reduces the colored mana. Um, so, yeah, this is just... It is like cancel in a lot of situations, 
But the upside is that it can save you some mana. And like two or more spells, that's just... This works if your opponent casts their second spell. Yeah, so on the second spell. So like against like uh, Phoenix, like hitting their treasure cruise. Um, or because uh, sometimes you actually have that line a lot. I've seen with Phoenix where they go one like an opt, fill up the yard, then go cruise to try and find the third spell to cast to get Phoenix going. Yeah, so that, um, then it's already two. And then if they're fighting you over it, it's easier to have like the extra mana available uh, yeah. in a counter wars. You just like lead on like a mystical dispute. This relevant against Lotus something. Field. Yeah, relevant against Lotus. Absolutely. So, like, I don't know if this outpower surveil because it's in this awkward spot, right? Where in early turns it is much less likely for your opponent to double spell. So, you're like they're often like. You know, we joke a lot about Rectos being three-drop tribal, but there's a lot of th- good three-drops in Pioneer. So mm. your opponent will start double-spelling on, like, turn four. But on turn four, I can already have, like, Sinister Sabotage Fatal Push, so do I care about the extra mana? Or, you know, is that actually relevant because I have a lot of two-mana interaction and I have now the ability to go, like, um, you play two creatures... Uh, you play a creature, all right, I let it resolve. You play a second one, all right, with that on the stack, I heartless act your first creature, and now I I score on your second creature. Like, yep. So, like, I think it's going to be... Um, I've talked about this a lot with um, in the past, where it's like I sometimes, when I'm building my deck, I have a little notepad or, like, a note on my phone, and I just note, was this card... Re- would this card have been relevant? And I yep. think I'm just going to do that for this card. Like, I'm going to stick to playing Sinister Sabotage and Counterflux... And I'm just going to take a note and just have counterflux. Do I wish this was scorn? Uh, sabotage. Do I wish this was scorn? Yes or no? And I'm just going to like note it. Yeah. Always a good way to Especially look at Especially also reducing the colored mana can be pretty relevant. Because um, when you have stuff like Dick Through Time in your deck, you can have turns where you have like five mana available, but you want four colored blue mana. Yep. And that can honestly get a bit awkward. So, because sometimes, even in like a Demir deck, you might have like a Field of Ruin and a Swamp. And now you can do that. Or you have like the a black side of like a pathway there. up. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So like, it, it's just like reducing the colored mana cost can be very good with something like Dig Through Time. Um, so yeah, I think this card's just like pretty cool. I think it's an, a cool variation of Cancel with Upside. And I'm, I'm looking forward to either at least testing it or indirectly testing it by just... Draw, drawing a lot of comparison through like playtesting. Yeah, we got one more. And yeah, the last one on the list. This one's awesome. Uh, very cool card. In Urza assembles the Titans. So again, a saga with read ahead. So it has three chapters, but you can start wherever you want. Um, God, this is. I, I need to like fully open this so I have the zoomed in text. Um, the first chapter is Scry Four. You may uh, then you may reveal the top card of your library. If a planeswalker card is revealed this way, put it into your hand. Then the minus f- uh, the, the second one is you may put a planeswalker card with mana value six or less from your hand onto the battlefield. And then the third one is you may activate the loyalty abilities of planeswalkers you control twice this turn rather than only once. Super friends. 
Yeah, Super Friends card. The, the first card that I thought of that goes really well with this is Chandra Torch of Defiance. Not surprising, because it is a very good card. Um, yep. But with Chandra Torch of Defiance, you can go um, turn four, just play Chandra beforehand. And I, I think Urza assembles the Titans. You will most likely start this card on Chapter 2. I don't think Chapter 1 is that good, unless you've got no... No planeswalkers in hand, and then hey, just played for the scrying. But yeah, this is a top um, deck kind of thing. Yeah, first yeah, one's good. But you're, I think you're often gonna start on two. To just, I mean, you can already put a six drop into play, which just nets you a mana. But even this, like putting Chandra in, so like a line, I imagine, like Super Friends deck, they then see like Jeskai, uh, something like turn four, you go for a Supreme Verdict. Turn five, you play this, put it on two, put Chandra on the battlefield. And, like, minus and kill whatever thing they played as a follow-up. And then on the third chapter, because you can activate the loyal abilities twice, you just go Chandra plus four mana plus four mana, and now you have lots of mana to spend on Planeswalkers that you can activate twice. So, like, that's kind of where, like, my head went first. And I'm sure there's other Planeswalkers that net you mana. Um, a turn three Kiora, even in a non-devotion deck, right? A turn 3 Kiora means you're casting this on 4, because she can ramp you from 3 to 5. Yep. But then, you get to the next chapter, and now Kiora nets you 2 more mana. Um, imagine when you have Chandra, and you have Kiora, uh, Chandra generates you a fuckload of red mana, but maybe Kiora can untap your Interplanner Beacon, and that can give you all the colors you need to actually cast all your Planeswalkers, even if they're all not red. So, like, I feel like this is just really good in a super fence shell and has a lot of play to it. <coughs> I can also totally abort where your opponent thinks, like, oh, I have a turn before this Chandra ultimates. You just go assemble the Titans, read ahead, start on three, uptick Chandra, ult Chandra, dead. What I like is the idea of a, um, like, a fires list. Super Friends Fires. And it'd be kind of cool if um, you go like uh, you go Fires and then you have to have five lands but <clears throat> if you have like on turn five with Fires, you have the five lands you play this you play a free Planeswalker you play another free Planeswalker um, and then you have your mana uh, available for your like your scries and like your your enchantments and stuff like that, that you're gonna sack. Um, and then the next turn you can just start doing all your planeswalkers twice. And that's even if you uh, and then like even the next turn was that you draw into another planeswalker, have another planeswalker in hand. Then you play that one for free with fires and you just start going off. You know what, Alex? The only way Karn is good is in this exact deck. <laughs> like a fire super friends mm. Where I mean, even you there, are not I know spending cards to play, like other cards. yeah, but you're not spending oh, yeah, your mana. So you can technically use yeah, all your mana. You can dig further. Just... Yeah, I mean, if you're talking Jeskai, just imagine turn three, put Yorion in my hand. Turn four, fires Supreme Verdict. Turn mm -hmm. five, Titan two Planeswalkers, and then the third turn, you can like play a walker for free 
play Yorion. Now spend your blink mana it. on like another walker. If you have, uh, yeah, and you could even blink. No, the saga would have been gone by then, um, because it's immediately True. after you've drawn a card at the beginning of your main phase. But like, and then yeah. you have like, play a walker, Yorion, bounce. So you still have all your mana to spend, and now like one of those walkers you've dropped is Chandra. Up her for a lot of mana. Play more planeswalkers. Like I feel like this just. I mean, Fires, I think, as you said, is a really good shell for this, where you just, like, omega cheat on mana. Like, you just, like, you are the biggest mana cheater in Magic history. And all your Planeswalkers, they tick up fast, they come out fast. Like, any mid-range kind of deck is just going to be absolutely fucking trounced by this Super Friends deck. Yeah, it's a lot of value in and then the plus a very short span like, of time. Yeah, and the plus ones is like, yeah, I don't don't have a walker in my hand at the moment. Okay, you just yeah. But for all intents and purposes, I start reading at chapter two on this saga. Yeah, I, I agree. Which like this is one of these ones where I'm like, yeah, read ahead, school. Some of the ones with read ahead, I haven't been really like, yeah, I guess. But like this one has like genuine play to it, where I can it's it's see this one and, and the world spell for all of them. Yeah. Where, like, I can see situations for all of these. One is when you're desperate when you're top-decking. Two is when you do it by default. And three is for the blowout. So, like, ultimate a turn earlier. Could you? Also, there's probably something stupid to be done here. <coughs> In your fire shell, where you also play Karn, and you pull the chain veil out of your board, and now you activate your Planeswalker three times in one turn. Alex... Yeah. We're just going to go five-color, baby. We're playing the world spell on our fires list. Because <laughs> then you can just drop another permanent. You could technically play world spell, drop. Oh, top I mean, two. It's, <laughs> yeah. Drop two extra planeswalkers. And then still have the fires one left over. I mean, at one point, you start wondering where you're getting all these planeswalkers from. Because I think in our examples, we're drawing 15 cards by turn four. I guess some of the Planeswalkers could draw you Are you, you not? I don't know what kind of magic you're playing, but in my household, cards. if we don't draw 20 cards, we're not playing the game right. I mean, fair. But we did it. We got through a good chunk of the spoilers. Of course, we did not go over every single card. We're not complete masochists in that regard to sit here for four hours and like it's like those limited resources videos where they go over every single card and grade it i am not doing that for a four or five hour fucking thing but if there are any cards that we missed any cards that you think are really cool in the set that you're hype about want to build around or think that are just really powerful and can be played in general and make it in pioneer let us know uh you can message us on twitter on you know on, on discord whatever and yeah, let us know what we missed. And of course, that could give us some inspiration to uh, better fine tune our top 10 list, which we'll be recording in a few days. And then that will probably go out next week. But Alex, before we go, overall thoughts on the set? I don't know. I, I was, up until recently, I was really low on the set. I think at this point, I'm like fine on the set there's a couple of really exciting cards but i will say 
a large part of this set strikes me as like kind of like mid. Like we talked about like the defiler yeah. cycle, and there are definitely like there's a lot of cards in this set with like interesting build arounds or like ways to include them in decks, but you know. The fact that there's a lot of cards that are potential build arounds probably means that most of them suck. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at like 30 interesting cards, and there might be like three that you're actually gonna see. So I'm a little worried about that because, and it's it's a bad thing, but also a good thing. But there's few cards that really jump off the page to me. It's like, wow, this has to be good, because even like the Merfolk Lord does go in a really piss-poor shell. Yeah. So, and kind of the same with the Elf Lord. The Elf Lord is kind of cool, but All elves are in... Are, in, are in far lesser um, represented tribes. Yeah, which Pioneer. is cool, but it's less cool if we will once again forget about these tribes for the next seven years and then give them, like, one card. Now, Merfolk has a little more hope because we are going to Ixalan next year. So I do expect yep. that after Ixalan next year, if they don't completely shaft Merfolk, and like honestly, first time around when we got to Ixalan, there there's a pretty good Merfolk in there. There was a Lord in there, and there was a good one drop in there, and we got the Silvergill Adapt reprint, and we got Kumena. So like if we just get like three or four good Murloc uh Murlocs <laughs> that's uh World of Warcraft. Three or four good Merfolk from Ixalan. That card could suddenly be really awesome. So maybe this Dominaria set feels like a lot of setup. So now, sets are kind of eh. But you look like two, three years from now, and more of these decks have like gotten the pieces they need, and you're like, holy shit, there's like 50 playable cards in this set. So like my long-winded yeah. answer to say, this is pretty cool. Yeah, it's fine. Not blown away, but I'm not actively hating it anymore. Where the fir after the first few days, I was like, ah, fuck this set. I kind of can't be bothered. And now I'm like, no, I'm I'm happy to see it, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think the best way I can describe this set is it is deceptively mid. Um, <laughs> yeah, perfect. Because when you look at the set on paper, you look at all the cards, and you're like, holy shit, there's like a lot going on. There's a lot of good, powerful cards. There's a lot of powerful effects. But as you dig a little bit deeper, you start to kind of uncover what these cards do um, within context of the formats that they go into and the decks that they go into and stuff like that. And you end up with a lot less of a, um, of a short list in what sees play and what doesn't. Or just what's he's play what's he's play in general. And really, I mean it's also hard to uh showcase to me uh immense impact on a format with any more cards after you basically kick off the entire spoiler season with Liliana the Veil. Yeah. And then you kinda go down from there. Not to say that there aren't playable cards. There, of course, are. And we'll talk about more in depth on that uh, with our top 10. But yeah, the set is good. Not overpowered. It's not like fire design. But at first glance, it looks like it's fire design. It's kind of how I've yeah. kind of, like come around with it. Yeah, that's like a good but. way to look at it, I think. I agree. But again, tell us what we missed. Tell us cards you think are really cool. Um... And 
listen up for the uh, the top 10 coming out next week. And of course, for those listening still at this point, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening every single week, giving us feedback, all the Patreon members, all that good stuff. We love you. We appreciate you. And we hope you listen to us more next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone.